On that note, welcome to the Agents of Game podcast. We are here to do some awesome stuff, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, with me today are, in no particular order... I'm Matt Moyer. And I'm Sean Morrison. And I'm Dan McCain. And I am Dave Martin. So, this week has a lot of awesome stuff going on, most of which uh, is absolutely taking over the world. Um, I guess maybe the first thing and the last thing and arguably the only thing we should talk about today is Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. Yes, I got my tickets yesterday. That's insane. Got my time off from work. Yeah, today. How did you find it? Did you find nice. night tickets yesterday? Um, we went uh, to there's this thing called the internet day, the movie theater actually stuff. for another movie. <laughs> They're sold out. And I just bought them there. Nice. Is it for the 17th or the 18th? The 18th. I, I'm not going to go to the 17th because I want to take my son, and uh, so he's not going to stay up, you know, until two in the morning. Madness. Well, they're actually yeah. the tickets. Did I you, ever, for did you ever try PM. East Park? Oh, I never got to East Park. No, I didn't. But um, I didn't realize that it was a 7 p.m. showing. I thought it was the midnight showing on Thursday. I didn't well, even realize East Park was still a thing. Dude, they Apparently totally the remodeled it. <laughs> yeah, they every every theater has the leather recliners now, and nice. they have the deluxe screen in two of the sh- in two of the screens, and then they have the ultra deluxe in one of the screening rooms. Yeah, but and... do any of them have pour your own butter? Because holy shit, I got to Colorado, and every theater <laughs> out here has pour your own butter, and oh, you it's can nice. Folding chair, a metal folding chair. If you let me pour my own butter on my popcorn, because I'm telling you, tell you what, I turn it into soup. The popcorn things float by, and I just scoop them up with a spoon. That does sound amazing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, they never yeah. put enough butter on their popcorn. No, that's that was the coolest thing when I got out here. She was like, I ordered buttery popcorn. And she's like, Oh no, no, no! You, there's a thing over there. And I went over there. Sure enough, it was a spigot, and I just pressed the button. And I'm kind of looking around, like nobody's stopping me. Nobody's stopping <laughs> me. I'm just gonna keep putting butter until somebody stops me. It was well, wonderful. Finally, my wife comes by and probably is, you know, you're probably gonna die if you keep putting that much butter on there. But you know. Well, you know, it depends on the theater and what person you get behind the concession stands, but at a lot of theaters that don't have the pour-your-own-butter, you could ask, could you put just, like, butter on, a, on like, three of the layers of that as you're yes. going up? Well, and sometimes the they will do that. The layers, yeah, you got to get it on all of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then but you, you know, just get the buttery top, and then there's garbage at the bottom. Nobody wants to eat unbuttered popcorn. Seriously. Uh, yeah, the the theaters out here are cool like that. They have that. There's a lot of them that have bars in them, um, which maybe doesn't affect you know the people in this chat group, but it's pretty cool for you know people that do drink. Um, and then uh, there's a bunch of them that have uh, wait service right to the. You fill out a little card and they'll bring your food out to the to your seat. Kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, Marcus uh, Marcus Theaters is starting to do that out here too. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. That's a bonus yeah. for fat and lazy people. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Speaking of fat and lazy people, I actually lost 10 pounds recently. Nice! So, Congratulations. Well Yay! Yes, I am one belt whole smaller. Woohoo! That's awesome. Like, what are you, what are you doing? For Nothing them? at all. I have no idea why. 
<laughs> oh, oh, okay. Now my He's uh, eating my, cotton my balls dipped in uh, sweet and sour sauce. <laughs> oh, and she, uh, after we got back from the movie, she said, I know how you lost 10 pounds. And I said, how? And she's like, there's no food in your house. There's not a lot of food in here, no. That will do it. Yikes. Yeah, I actually uh, went back to the uh, – I, so I, I, I'm i not trying to one-up you here or anything, so don't take it as that. But I, So I went from 324 to about 175. And I finally went to the gym the other day because now once you do that kind of big drop, there's just a lot of hanging grossness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I look okay with clothes, but if anybody ever saw me without clothes, they would scream and run away. Um, my wife, she, I think she sleeps in a separate room most nights, so she doesn't have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, is so she I at least courteous, courteous enough to wait until after you fall asleep? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when she runs and, and pukes and then gets yeah. Uh, no, so I started going to the gym because it's like, I gotta, I gotta get this tightened up. And so, yeah, I, I started going back just to, you know, get everything, get everything tight again. Now I am so sore. I can barely move <laughs> hobbling up the stairs and stuff like that. You it's don't heal as fast as you used to. No, you don't heal as fast. Well, and I decided because losing the weight was, you know, just exercising. So it's not like I wasn't exercising. It was mainly doing like cardio and running and stuff. So I'd made the decision to go to a class. And holy crap, I went to this, uh, it was, uh, this, it's called body pump and you, it's all, it's all, it's a weightlifting class. So you do all the stuff with weights, you do it with a barbell and oh my gosh, yeah, I got, uh, I got destroyed in that class. I mean, I'm going to go back again tomorrow cause it was fun, but I, I am sore. You definitely learn new limits when you're trying to do aerobics with weights. So yeah, tons of fun. You should get out there and try Indeed. it. Indeed. Anyways, I didn't mean to derail us. We were talking about uh, Star big Wars. Freaking jerk! Yeah, yeah. Star Wars, though. We aren't. Looks we aren't a amazing. health nutrition podcast, guys. <laughs> well, so I, I may be wrong on this, but here's what I think was supposed to happen on Monday. What I think was supposed to happen on Monday is the trailer was going to release at halftime on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. and then, then tickets were supposed to go on sale. I would assume. And Fandango apparently has the official contract with Star Wars. Other companies can sell tickets, but Star Wars' site um, lists Fandango as, like, the retailer of choice. Uh, So apparently movietickets.com wasn't particularly happy about that. (laughs) And they broke embargo hours early. They were selling tickets. And so all day long, people were like, what? What? Tickets are on sale? And just... Breaking the internet all day Screw long. Screw those guys. I'm selling my tickets wherever I want. And so pretty soon after, movie tickets started selling them. Then um, everybody else got permission to go ahead and start selling too. And all their sites were just crashing all day long. In the long run, it might have been kind of a good thing though. Because if they were crashing as it was, can you imagine how bad it would have been oh, once yeah. that trailer hit if everybody went at once? The floodgates actually opened up. Oh yeah, that yeah. would have been a mess. It was uh, one of my friends actually... posted that um, you know, that he was watching Monday Night Football at like B- BW3s. He was watching at a bar or whatever. And he said that that trailer got more cheers and louder cheers than anything at the football game. And I think he, he posted from somewhere, <laughs> one of the two teams, wherever their home was. 
And so he, yeah, just to get that kind of reaction from a bunch of, you know, football fans, the non-traditional nerd fans, is, that's pretty impressive. Well, I, on the one hand, the trailer was that good. On the other hand, it's Giants-Eagles. <laughs> what right. is going to happen oh. in that? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but those two are traditional rivals. Those That's a big game. I mean, that's a, a beat-em-up game. You hear... Uh, uh, Mike Golick on ESPN Morning talk about that game all the time because he was he was an eagle. So yeah, that that's one of their big ones. So I'm surprised. Still a bad game though. Yeah. <laughs> if if you watched much of it, it was still a bad game. Yeah, definitely. So no, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, the uh, Star Wars though, the trailer itself looked amazing. I I went to work the next day and got nothing done all day because my office mate and I just discussed. Uh, theories and ideas and things that we had seen in this five second you know trailer and then as new people would come into the office we would bring them into the conversation and have to start up all over again so it was a completely lost day yeah <laughs> day i was basically the same star- excuse me a day spent talking about star wars is not a lost day <laughs> it's very true yeah that is very true though oddly enough it, it seems to be I'm a not- very um, American thing because my office is very multicultural. We, our parent company is a Swiss company, so we have a lot of French people. We have a lot of Swiss expats. We have a lot of French expats. There's um, British people there. Uh, one of our office workers is also is a uh, from Uganda. So we're we're very multicultural there, and those people all look at us with these stares, like, "What are you talking about?" In fact, we have a intern that just came here from paris he's spending the next couple months with us and i was like so have you seen star wars are you into star wars and he's like uh no i didn't watch it when i'm a kid now i'm too old and i was like f you dude because you are never (laughs) i don't i don't want to see your stupid french face anymore because you are never too old to watch star wars that is ridiculous as if i needed another reason to hate the french Mm -hmm. oh my word Mm mm-hmm He's not even real French. He's from some weird French colony by Africa. So yeah, I was I was very mad at him. As well, you should have been. Yeah, well, he's an intern anyway. So I mean, he really shouldn't be talking to anyone. He should just be getting coffee and <laughs> sitting in the sitting in the corner first. So he he had some recourse there. I mean, realistically, he should be Blair Witch sitting in the corner, just staring at the wall, but. I'm reading a thing right now. It said that they are expecting Star Wars um, to hit 600 million on opening weekend. That might be a conservative estimate. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I mean, they should already know. Maybe not the whole weekend, but they should have an opening night figured out already, right? Because did they save any back? Well, here's here's the question. Because all the showings that they originally had scheduled, I'm sure, are sold out. Yeah. But theaters have multiple screens. They might say, well, do we really want to have this other movie on this? Or do we want to have every single screen showing Star Wars? And I'm confident that they might be able to sell out every single screen for Star Wars. That would Wars, be awesome selling. to have one of these, like we yeah. have AMC 24 here or whatever, to have all 24 screens just pumping out Star Wars all day long. That would be insane. <laughs> that would be the coolest thing ever. I would, I would just go and float from each room to each room just to, just to do. I it. know the grand here in, uh, I know the grand here in Lincoln is doing a marathon. They're starting from episode one to episode six, launch at midnight for episode seven. 
That would be cool. That would be so, very fun. Wow. Be now, is yeah. it possible to buy tickets for that and then show up like three movies late? <laughs> <laughs> Those are not bad movies. They inform the other movies. The, the third one... I, I enjoyed well enough. Again, I think George Lucas made good actors look bad even in that one. But I would say the third movie I, I enjoyed fairly well. The first yeah. and second one I enjoyed parts of, but... Yeah. Oh, I'm, was, I'm, well, I'm... pretty much anything with Liam Neeson was good in the first one, but other yep. than that... Yeah. I don't know, Darth Maul was good. Yeah, Darth Maul. That's my well, fear. Okay, so that's my fear that they're going to do that with, with Kylo Ren, is that he's just going to be a throwaway Darth Maul. Which is going to be really disappointing because he seems like a total badass. The, but the good he thing is, we—I'm really pretty him, sure though. we know. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we know that he's not a throwaway. Do we? Okay. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember uh, what I read exactly or whatever. But I remember when I read it, I was like, "Oh, that's so good because of what happened with Darth Maul." Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because uh, so. Darth Maul was amazing, and they just tossed him out. Like, and then there back, was no, though. there was no bad guy after that that I cared about. You know, is the emperor. Oh, and, was yeah. terrible. Yeah, it was. It was very generic after that. Which so. was really sad for Christopher Lee, but yes, Dooku was pretty terrible. Who's going to be the? So who's the bigger bad though? You know, the, there's always a bigger bad. He seems very much not. He's not a, a Sith Lord. He's... Spoiler, I'm going to place a spoiler tag right here, just in case, and then ask a question. You can't spoil um, a movie that's not out yet. Well, you you can, and I was talking about this earlier, and I'm not sure if I was talking it right before the show with both of you, or if I was talking about earlier this afternoon with Dan and with um, someone else, but uh, here's here's my fear. Someone, somewhere, with all the people talking about this, someone, somewhere's going to guess something right. And I would hate to be the guy who guesses something really right for and, and be like the person who spoiled the big twist in Knights of the Old Republic. For it's still just a guess. I mean, the, if you're spoiled by guesses, then you shouldn't be, I don't know, then you're a bad person. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> he, no, okay, here, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I'm going to back. I'm, I'm, I'm not even joking. All right. Make your case. I'm, I'm not saying I'm sure he will be, but I'm dead serious. If I had to say who's the bigger bad. He wasn't talking to the Darth Vader mask. One, how did he get the Darth Vader mask? But two, when they show who in the previous trailer, when they show who we assume is Luke Skywalker with R2-D2, it's in a completely black cloak. Right. You never see Luke Skywalker's face anywhere. But he's now not you see even, there's screen he's caps not... of him. There's screen caps of him in an all-white. He basically is in Obi-Wan's robe. Now, that's not to say, because the Emperor, they did the, oh, Emperor's good, he's a senator. But he's actually bad, so it's not saying that they couldn't do that with Luke, but there are screen captures of him out there in a full Obi-Wan robe, white beard, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, okay, so that would throw a wrench into my theory, except for if I were directing a movie like Star Wars, I would th intentionally throw misleads. And as an example of that... With uh, Wrath of Khan remake, uh, the new Star Wars movie, J.J. Abrams, who is directing this, explicitly said it is not Khan. He lied to the people intentionally so that people to to try to mislead them. And yeah, it, so... it could be. And it's he goes bad in, in the things that have been thrown out. Luke does have a bad period. Um, in, in yeah, comics and true. books that have now been been thrown out, so I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, you know, I just I just don't know if I see it. Then how does you know? 
Yeah, I don't know. I def that's definitely Darth Vader's mask. I mean, there's no way around that. I, yes. I don't agree with that first point that you made because you said maybe that's not his mask. That that's Darth. Well, Vader's no, no, mask. that is his mask. I'm saying you're not. We're not sure that he's talking explicitly to the mask. Oh. Um, I'm That's thinking true. he they might be talking to, to someone like else. That, but we have no no proof. You're right. Because in the Who previous video, they though, showed would he be talking about how did that wouldn't work for if you're saying he's talking to Luke, saying I'll finish your mission. I mean, Luke's mission was always good. Well, we don't know in the whole story of what's happened in the previous thirty years. Well, and then so we're slowly getting that because there's a comic book series that's doing the well, and there are two books lead as well. Up to the Force Awakens. Yeah, I, I've read yeah. one of the books, and I'm starting the second book. And there is the comic book series, and they do have some other books with backstory too that I haven't. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to in time, but yeah. that that's my. Th- if I had to guess right now, it's either someone completely unknown or Luke Skywalker. Um, but I think this the. Um, Maybe I should shut up now and let other people talk, but I think the scene where Han is holding Leia is either as a response to something Luke did or a response to another character dying, which we could talk about later if we want to. See, I wonder, I I saw that same scene too, and it seems to be, I think it's in the same setting where um, it's uh, Poe and the other guy kind of, you know, kind of cross each other's paths. Yeah, Poe and Finn cross each other's paths. I think it's on that same planet as people are running around getting ready to leave. So I wonder if that's more just, oh, you're leaving on the dangerous suicide mission sort of thing. But maybe not. I don't know. Can I I spoil something that I'm almost sure is a spoiler? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so in the book that I did read, you know how I mentioned before that there are a lot of little vignettes that had nothing to do with the book itself? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is Han and Wookiee are on a mission together, and they get Did you just news. Call Chewbacca, Wookiee. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, Han and Chewie sorry. are on a mission, um, <laughs> and I'm not going to go into too much detail about. But they get a, sure. a, a a message saying, "Right now, right now, you have a window to go to Kashyyyk and free it. Right mm-hmm. now, you have to go." And so my guess is, they, then they cut away from that. But it makes it sound like they're choosing to go. Um, my guess is that in the previous trailer, when it shows Han and Chewie on the Millennium Falcon with guns in their hands, I'm guessing they're on Kashyyyk, and as they're coming to exit the ship with their guns out as they're leaving the ship, uh, Chewie, we're home on Kashyyyk. Not Chewie, we're home on the Millennium Falcon. That's what they want you to think, but I'm guessing we're home on Kashyyyk. Um, yeah, because but that's not yeah. Han's home. That's where Han's well, you always never been. Know. But well, anyway, but it's not his home. He was so he was an imperial officer on that planet. I don't know that he'd ever call it home. Uh oh, on Kashyyyk, you mean? Well, anyway, um, yeah. But uh, so they they get there and something because they you see Chewie there. And then later in the scene where the Millennium Falcon's in the background and you have um, Finn and Poe, and then later you have probably in that same shot Han and Leia, you don't see Chewie. Now, he may have been in the background. We don't know. But my guess is he dies on Kashyyyk. Maybe really there was some other people that, Chewbacca? Well, there were some other people that, that speculated that that was... Um, uh, Ray, when she's crying, she's standing there with, or she's sitting beside a dead Chewbacca. I've, I've read that a couple of places that that was what she was. She was standing near, holding a dead Chewbacca, also. So I don't know. 
Yeah, but anyway, so that's my thought. Um, I'm dominating the time here. What do you guys? Who do you guys think is going to be the big bad? I don't know. I, I really don't. <laughs> my I, my problem with the Luke thing is if Luke is the big bad guy, then who's training the other guy? What is Poe? Right. Uh, Poe is the uh, starfighter. Finn. Finn. Finn is the guy okay. who's holding the the good guy who's holding a lightsaber. Yeah, who's right. training him if it's not Luke? Well, here's the thing: is there's no proof that that guy's a. I think he's a Jedi. I totally think he's a Jedi. Like I said earlier, hashtag Black Jedi's matter. But um, <laughs> I, I I've seen a lot of people on the internet and a lot of the rumor sites trying to say, well, he might not be a Jedi. Even though he has has this lightsaber, maybe he just fell into it or he's got a hold of it or whatever, which I don't buy because if, if that's true, he's not a Jedi. That final scene in the trailer where Kylo Ren's going up against him, <laughs> he's done. that guy is done in five seconds. Exactly. He might be yeah. done in five seconds anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he is yeah. a Jedi. But um well there is a woman in the trailer talking about let the force in. She could potentially be someone doing training. Now from what I've from what I've read, she's the voice of the uh Cantana, something like that. One of the if you've seen the the behind the scenes trailer where they're doing a uh face scan of an African American, real young, pretty African American girl. Mm-hmm. That's her character that's doing that's talking. That's her voice in the trailer, I guess. Okay. Um, so in that, then there's people that have conjectured also that that's her castle that they go to in the trailer, where it's um, uh, Poe and Ray are walking past this big red droid, and there's a bunch of Tibetan style flags hanging from this with place. a Mandalorian flag, by the with way. With oh, a Mandalorian okay. yeah. flag, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, so they think that that's that's her castle, and that's her talking. Um, is that character, and it's the little weird, goofy-looking um, alien that's on the poster that you don't know who is. So, anyways, huh. that, that's uh, they think that's who's who's talking, saying, "Hey, lent the force in." So that might be a, the trainer. I don't know. Um, what's the name of the little Tagruda chick I, that's from the cartoons? I haven't watched enough of the cartoon. I've seen a- uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah. Okay. I've already explained my opinion on the cartoons being an abomination on the level of Jar Jar Binks. So really? abomination or not, she could play a role. Those are pretty well received. Because... I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they didn't like those. Well, now you have. I... <laughs> Why don't you like those? I I've seen that. I've seen some episodes where Ahsoka uh, first gets introduced, and I really liked it. I kind of like her character, and yeah. Why don't you like those? Um, well, first of all, there's a lot of Star Wars canon that they break, in particular with the Sith. Um, well, obviously, the Star Wars canon doesn't matter anymore. We J.J. <laughs> Abrams was like, F Star Wars canon. So. <laughs> well, it, may, it matters to me. <laughs> we have to have some kind of continuity in the universe. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. That's yeah. bad. Um, and I've watched, I've watched a couple of the episodes and I really didn't find the, uh, the acting or the writing particularly good. I just didn't care for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it still is technically a kid's show, so I'm sure the writing isn't, you know, it's not Edgar Allan Poe level or Shakespearean or anything, you know, is technically supposed to appeal to like six to 13 year olds. I suppose 
that's a point as well but i mean i've watched cartoons and i'm like you know even though this is for a ch- usually a, let's be considered a children's cartoon yeah it's still enjoyable for me to watch yeah yeah i also like the and it also wise. oh go ahead I just say it also depends where you watch those episodes in in the timeline of the series because uh Clone Wars is definitely a show that gets better as it goes like just continually got better and better and better so and so now is uh, clear something up I cuz I haven't been watching a lot of them Clone Wars and then Star Wars Rebels is that right Yeah okay yep. are they side by side shows no, they are a continuation. They had okay. to get uh, Clone Wars off of uh, the Cartoon Network um, once Disney bought the rights. Oh. Um, and so they ended the show on Cartoon Network, decided instead of continuing the show on Disney XD, they'd do a final internet uh, release or whatever um, okay. for the last few episodes. And then, um, and then start Star Wars Rebels, which takes place... Um, Quite a few years after Clone Wars ended. Okay. After gotcha. the big, the big, uh, the big day. I really like the uh, that is. I don't know how you say her name. The Asajj or Asa, the dual yeah. lightsaber wielding Sith chick. She's awesome. Yeah. Does she? Does she die? Go away? Uh, I would Ventress, like to see her right? in a, I'd like to see her in a, a movie or whatever. Yeah, that, that's why I like that they are exploring more of the Star Wars universe with their movies than just yeah. the main the main characters we've seen because there are a lot of great characters that could make uh, that could stand on their own on dark side and light side. Like I would yeah, love definitely. to see a dark side focused movie. I think it would be amazing. Ooh, like if there was a Suicide Squad Star Wars movie, it'd be awesome. It, I mean, there's just so much potential with Star Wars that Disney, if they're willing to. Um, push it like they've pushed Marvel franchise, we could have, you know, three or four uh, movies and be different types of movies, too, Yeah. yeah. within the Star Wars universe. It could be, it could just be sweet. Oh, yeah, it would be it wouldn't awesome. wouldn't all have to be the same focus. The Rogue One movie is about stealing the Death Star plans, so it's kind of like a big old heist um, starfighter yeah, Rogue setting, One you know, so awesome. I mean... Uh, Not for the Bothans. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, little... Man, I just scored some <laughs> points there. Many Bothans died in the making of this movie. <laughs> oh, that'll be that'll be unfortunate. Yeah, no, they they look like they're doing. Yeah, Disney, I think, is going to handle it really well, especially if they don't, you know, keep their hands off, don't Disney it up. I mean, you'd have no if you didn't know yep. or pay attention, you wouldn't know that Disney was involved in Marvel movies, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yep, and that's smart on their their part not to not to do that. Not to Disney, and they have like their. I mean, they have their. Out, yeah, know? they. Yeah, <laughs> and they have their franchises like a lot of their. I think Disney has more of their hand in the Disney XD shows, and then they mm-hmm. let the movies be, you know, be their own thing. So I, I think they they they're really smart with how they handle everything. Yeah, I think, yeah I'm pretty excited. It's just a good time to be a nerd right now because <laughs> you got Mar, you got Disney with Marvel, you have Disney with um with Star Wars. Didn't they get something else or something? I feel like I'm missing another franchise that they purchased. 
Dan, do you as a single guy ever just want to peddle your nerd cred, like go down to the bars and just let the ladies flock to you? Like, yeah, I'm a big nerd, ladies. Come on, <laughs> come on just come to me like a like moths to a flame. There's enough of me to go around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a good time. If yeah, you don't, don't Dan, you should. Yeah. yeah, you definitely should, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Big deal. <laughs> Yeah. So you guys have uh, any other thoughts on the the trailer? Any other crazy things stand out to you? I just I just got to say, as far as the director goes, J.J. Abrams, I've liked. I I think we talked about this in the very first podcast we had, but I've really liked J.J. Abrams. Everything that he's done, there's been things that he's done that has been not as good as others, but I've still enjoyed him and been entertained. And just from the trailer. And I'm not a cinematographer. I've never went to school to learn about, um, you know, cinematography or any of that stuff. It's just purely for my own taste. And so just coming from that for anybody that's listening to this, if you are a cinematographer, don't hit me too hard. But, dude, the angles he has and some of the shots he has in those trailers just blow my mind with how beautiful they are. Like, um, I was just telling Dave earlier, there's the shot when the First Order is all standing in the rain around the dead bodies. And the I, I'm guessing it's Kylo Ren is in the middle with his lightsaber out. Yeah, it's like downpouring. That's just a beautiful shot, and it's menacing and beautiful at the same time. And then like uh, with all the stormtroopers, when they scan pan by all the stormtroopers, and there's the, the stage shot. with with the admiral or whatever up there. Yeah, the Nazi shot, dude, beautiful. Yeah. And oh, the yeah. X wings on the lake, and the X wings fighting when they when he, they come down on top of the um, the Tie fighters. I'm just like, dude, oh, yeah. beautiful, like. Just so many beautiful shots there. I'm just like, this is going to be amazing. Like, yeah, just the beauty of the film, I think, is going to be on par with the storytelling. I just, I'm just so excited for it. That's, that's something that when I rewatch the trailer, I just, just, my mouth just keeps dropping. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think looking back at the list of J.J. Abrams stuff, the only thing that I would care less about was Felicity. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you almost kind of forget about that. that <laughs> this dude made Felicity for like four years. Yeah, nothing. Dude, he he, he started out was Felicity major nerd franchise ever. Yeah, was he? Um, did he start with Felicity and then do a la- Alias? Is that yes. how his? Yep. Okay, yeah, because Alias is what got me for him. Like, um, as a showrunner, I just like, man, I loved Alias, and then he did. Um, can't even think of what it was after Alias. I really liked it. Lost? Yeah. Was it Lost? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, yeah. A little show called Lost. Yeah, I love that. So 115 I, episodes. Yeah. He's, uh, and then his movies, yeah, just really yeah, good. Yeah. Cloverfield was sprinkled in there. I wasn't necessarily, like, it wasn't a big... I don't know. If, that. It was okay. Was he a, was he a direct, I think... Uh, producer. Wasn't he just a producer? Okay, yeah. Because yeah. eight... Now, did he do eight millimeter or no? Or not eight millimeter? What was it called? Super uh, eight. Super eight. Yeah. Yep. That was him, right? Okay. Yeah. Yep. I loved Super eight. That that actually that's one of the movies in recent years that brought me back to um, when I was watching it. It brought back the feels of being a kid watching ET and Star yeah. Wars yeah. because it had that same kind of feeling behind it. I just I don't know. I can't explain why, but I, it just had that kind of adventure film kid adventure an, film to it if you want another one that has those same kind of feelings and same kind of uh direction uh echo 
is exactly like that. It has oh, really? the same exact feel. It, I mean, it's it's ET remade for the for the modern age. It is it's really good, and it's it's ET. And, huh. I watched it with my son, and he really enjoyed it as well. So yeah, it's a kid movie. I mean, go into it understanding that it's a kid movie. I watched it with my boy as well, and yeah, it, we both really enjoyed it. It's it's really cool. We've watched it a couple times since then. In fact. That's cool. Yeah, I'll have to have that on my list. Yeah, it's good. Good. I visuals, love movies like good that. CGI stuff and and interesting like, to boot. Yeah, Goonies. I should put on that list too. Is I loved Goonies as a kid. Yeah. Speaking of lists, oh, I've nice. started to make a list of. I I need to start making a list of games I'm missing because I'm I'm falling behind. There's so many coming out between you know even starting just from last month oh. until Christmas. I can't. I don't have money to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I started. It's a ridiculous, list of, man. What have I missed? What do I need to come back to when it's on sale? You know. But but the sale. Yep. I mean, the doing it that way. I've discovered because I've been doing that kind of for the last year is not a bad thing. I picked up Evolve and the season one pass for thirty dollars. So I got probably seventy eighty dollars yeah. worth of content for thirty dollars and there's still people playing nice. it. it's not like five years ago when yep. a game on consoles would come out and then <clears> six months later there was nobody playing it there's still a ton of people playing it and it's a really good game it's a that's a solid game not to talk about something that probably no one cares about anymore but that's a really good game yeah um, I've been thinking yeah. of um doing the same thing for single player games. Like yeah, uh, instead yeah, of getting them on totally. launch, getting them when they go on sale, just because they're, you're not going to miss a window of playing with your friends or you know yeah. the rush of the multiplayer. I it's about just trying to balance it based, you know, split between single or multiplayer games. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's yeah. I mean, it's a good age to be yeah. It's a good age to be a gamer. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, the good age to be a gamer because we are getting a lot of games. The only problem is they wait till the freaking last part of the year to release them all. So it kind of sucks yeah. in that regard. But uh, but it, it's times. a good age because yeah, yeah. You and I have talked about this a million times, probably over even over the last five years. I think we've had the same conversation that why you put them all out yeah. in the fall. I understand you're looking for Christmas sales, whatever. Forget Christmas <laughs> sales. There is not one single goddamn game that comes out between June and August that is worth ten dollars. Yeah. Put your game out in June. It's or like July. if you like a girl. Yeah. It's like if you like a girl and you're like, man, she's really hot. I should really try to get with her. And then you're like, grab all your best looking buddies who are all single <laughs> and they're way better looking and smarter than you. And like, hey, let's go all yeah. try to talk to this girl. You're just competing with yourself and right. ruining the competition because of it. <laughs> and, and it's like... Especially if you know why? you have kind of a B-talent game. I, th- I can't remember. It. I used to have exactly. a really good example of this. But, you know, there there was a game that came out alongside... Um, oh, you know what it was that? It was the, the baseball players game. That's um, the studio... What? 38 Studio that made that RPG. And it came out alongside either Skyrim or Dragon Age, or Witcher 2, or something like that. But you remember what game I'm talking about? The baseball player made it in Rhode Island, and then they went bankrupt. Oh, yes. 
Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No, actually, I really, I really about, liked I it, and I can't. It was an amazing game. It was a great game, and could have stood on RPG. its own just fine yeah. if it wouldn't have come out alongside. I think it came out alongside even. It was one other, one other big time RPG and Assassin's Creed. I think came out within the same month. Of the that Kingdoms out. of Amalur. Yes. Yeah. yeah yep. It. Kingdoms of Amalur. Yep. It never had a chance. It had two AAA games that had established names. Yep. They would have just waited three, four months. Right. Good to go. Yeah, Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I'm always amazed when they do stuff like this. Like, do publishers or not look at the calendar and be like, hmm, let's see where you know a new franchise should sit. I think new franchises should never release in the fall. They should, unless it's like a well-known studio, like. If Valve was to say, "Hey, hey, uh, you know, we're going to release a new franchise this fall," I think they wouldn't right. have to worry. But yeah, yeah, in, yeah, in cases where it's a unknown studio or even a franchise from somebody like EA, where people don't really trust EA to put out a good product yeah. yet, or um, they're they branching be... out into some unknown territory, like EA's putting out, I don't know, you know, an RPG or something that they don't normally work on, you know, or they're self-publishing yeah. an RPG or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, they should put it out in uh, spring or yeah, summer. I just definitely. Yeah, I I don't know why pull I mean, they they probably have numbers that we don't have, but I would just from what I see, you would think that that would be a better choice. For, I mean, look, a very good example for this just recently, um, and uh, Deep Silver does this a lot actually, and I think that they're really smart for it. Um, they uh, released Dying Light in March mm-hmm. of last year. Yep. And that game was good, and it, it was good enough to stand on its own. I love the game. Probably one of my favorite Xbox One games so far, as far as co-op and RPG goes. At that point. It was, there was nothing else yeah. that was out when Dying Light came out. Yeah, I think if Dying Light, it was good, yep. and it could stand on its own, but I think if it came out this next month, I wouldn't buy it. You know, Exactly. It, it and, and that's what they did. They pushed it. Just lost in the shuffle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and there are some. And they games pushed that it from last fall. So there are some games that can break through. Yeah, like, Borderlands. Example, Borderlands was the exact example. People were saying it's going to mm. fail, but you can't hold up the exceptions to the rule to justify keep doing the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Correct. Because yeah. Borderlands was, I mean, huge. It's a it's a huge franchise for 2K and Gearbox now. So I mean, we know that that they're good to go, but. But very few games were like I like I I played Borderlands for about five minutes before I texted everybody that I knew and was like get Borderlands <laughs> get this because <now. laughs> I could just tell that it was that kind of game like it was just so good and um but yeah very few games have that have that uh, touch that Borderlands had um that could pull that off but I'd be really interested to see what the reasoning behind that why publishers comp- try to compete against the big dogs. Yeah, I don't. It's yeah. There's got to be some planning there, but I don't know what it is. I think I you said it. it earlier, and you're right. It's it's they're trying to get the Christmas dollars. That's when yeah. people are spending the most money. So that's when they want to release it. But the it bad doesn't make thing sense, about that is, but... yeah, you see them publish a game. Like if if somebody puts out a game this month, or even uh, next month's getting into November. But if you put, see somebody put out a game this month. By Christmas, it's on the twenty dollar rack. I mean, it, it there's such a drop in the in these two or three months. I noticed this last year. Um, I can't even remember what came out, but something came out 
in September or October, and by Christmas it was thirty dollars. You know, it, it had just crashed because of all the sales. <laughs> so yeah, you're trying to shoot for the Christmas dollars, yeah. but are you shooting for Christmas dollars or just sales numbers? Like I sold ten million, but really I had to slash the price of my game in half to compete, and, and that's how I sold a million copies. You know, so oh. would you? Yeah. One of the things I think might be playing into this is you have the developers on one side who want their product to succeed and you have the um the publishers on the other hand who don't care about the product they just care about making their money. And it's just a calculated risk to them whereas a developer, you know, that's their future. Especially right, yeah. a new developer. Yeah. And I think if it were up to developers, I think a developers would probably say, you know, well, our best chance is going to be in July. Let's do July. And the publishers say, it's our money paying for this. Screw you. You're doing yeah, what we right. say. You're doing it six months earlier at Christmas. And, uh, and publishers frequently just have a long history of making bad decisions for developers. Probably That's very true. true. Yeah. Well, and on the and other get, hand, gamers. If if developers could spread out their development schedule over the year rather than have to cram everything into really rushed seasons, the people who actually work on those games would probably be happier not having to, you know, do the big rush and work twenty hours a day the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you can see the difference yeah. in in the work in the final product of. The, the self-published developers and things like that. The CD Projekt Red is a g- good example. The Witcher is immaculate oh, and is near almost a perfect, a perfect object, sandbox. Yeah. yeah, that you can get to. But and Dragon Age is really really good, but you can tell that it had things forced upon it. And again, Dragon Age is awesome. It's right there next to The Witcher, but I think The Witcher passes it over, and and that has a lot to do with CD Projekt Red having the reins of their own. You know, production life cycle, yep. and and they've said too that yeah, we'll make another one, but we're going to do it on our time. We're not going to do it next year. You know, it's not like yeah. EA where we have to pump out Assassin's Creeds until they're mm-hmm. the worst game ever made, and you know, which they will be if they keep doing it. It's inevitable. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I want this next yeah. Assassin's Creed to be great because I've gotten them all. I've enjoyed them all. But they've all had this little feeling of kind of dwindling and kind of just a new story on top of the old skin, and so, they're losing their losing their ideas. Yeah. Right, right. Well, they might lose ownership of their company. Vivendi is on the verge of doing a corporate takeover. <laughs> Dude, I saw that. I was yeah. That's not going to be good if that happens. Mm. Yeah. Vivendi. Yeah. Um, I was going to say gamer. The thing too with gaming and gamers in general, and as a business model and everything is. As a community, gamers are way more um, uh, smart. I don't know if that's the right word, but we're we're way more smart about um, our product than a lot of people are. So it's not like the new toy, the new fall toy, where moms are kicking each other to get get it off the shelf on you know Black Friday. Um, gamers actually research their product. A lot of times, the parents don't, but gamers typically sure. do. Like at least yeah. everybody I know researches their games they want. So they oh, know yeah. when they're trying to get scammed or not. Like if if a publisher is pushing something too fast, if it comes out and it's broken, dude, it, the game will die because people just gamers just don't put up with that. Oh, so yeah. it's just I think it's just something where um, publishers they still you know that's why I want to see the numbers because obviously if it was bad for business they wouldn't do it. But um, yeah. 
Well, in a lot of ways, but I would just love to see that because. Yeah, pre-sales are the only thing that saves some of these publishers because exactly what you said is correct. Within two days, people know if you know if it's a multiplayer game, your servers are garbage. If there's a million glitches, and I mean, again, just to, not to bag on Assassin's Creed, but within two days, people knew that that thing was riddled with graphical bugs. And, yeah, you know, characters' faces not rendering and. Things like that. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, and so yeah. It, it, two days later, if it, you don't have to wait to find out if it's good, you know, or if you want to spend your sixty bucks on it. Yeah. So no, I I'm glad that I went back and yeah. way after the last Assassin's Creed came out, I got it because I think I got my Xbox One and it was like preloaded on there or something like that, and I played it and it's awesome. They've cleaned yeah. up a lot of the issues, but you yeah, know, the, if they didn't have pre-sale numbers, I think they would have been and if they weren't a big company to start with, they'd have been hosed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely something that uh, stand to be changed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Since um, one of the people was asking me to talk about it on the podcast, talk about the geek show that I went to last night. Oh, I was actually, I was waiting for a, a oh, yeah. dead spot to ask you about this. I wanted to know what, I, I have never met your wife in person. I've seen mm-hmm. pictures of her. She's looks like she's maybe three foot tall and about sixty pounds. But I saw it's something on close to two foot six, and yet she does probably weigh about six. And I saw something on on Facebook about her turning into a cannibal. So I, I wanted to know what that was about. Well, um, so there's when we went to the Chicago Comic Con, we ran into a bunch of really cool people, many of whom are local as part of the um, Chicago Nerd Club. And so I've been trying to get more involved with that. And there's some amazing people. They have lots of cool podcasts. But anyway, one of them, uh, Aaron J. Amendola, is trying to do kind of with his group what a little bit what I'm trying to do with Agents of Game. Um, and basically providing a stage for them. And so one of the things he does, um, they do it every two months, and they're going to try to do it every month, is host the Geek Show. And they basically rent out some space in a theater uh, in Chicago and then have some people on. So the first, they had uh, the Friendshipping podcast, uh, a couple people from their talk, and they seemed pretty cool. Um, after that, they had Improvised Star Trek. And it is what you would think it is. It's a bunch of people getting on stage and improvising. Basically, they call out for ideas from the audience, and they <laughs> pick one of the ideas and improvise it. <laughs> and um, nice. I will, I will see if I could get some stuff posted from them because they have their own podcast. They have like a hundred forty some episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, they do their own stage, but they also put their show on the podcast, so you could listen in. And that was uh, very enjoyable. Um, but they had interspersed, they had different little sketches and they had a game and one of the games was, they didn't tell people what it was, but they were inviting or asking people for volunteers and ended up, Marcy ended up getting picked. And, uh, so the two people, the other, the other people basically said, or well, the host asked, so who wants to be cannibal Shia LaBeouf? And the other two people put their fingers on their nose and Marcy didn't see either of them and, um, was obligated <laughs> to play that role for the game. Oh no. I don't uh, know. So, I think that's probably the best uh, version of Shia LaBeouf you could imagine. I, I think that that's a good uh, a good position for him to be. I don't know. Motivational speaker Shia LaBeouf would be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be yes. Um, uh, but uh, yeah. So if you have to be a Shia LaBeouf, at least you know it's not the Shia LaBeouf. 
Gotcha. <laughs> um, but basically, so, yeah, the show. Uh, there was a big forest, and uh, they were trying to get to within the game. They were trying to get to safety. Unfortunately, Marcy was unable to eat both of them, but she did get one of them. <laughs> the benefit of which means I did not have to take her out to dinner afterwards. She was still perfect. Uh, she was not feeling peckish anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Sounds that sounds fun. like a cool show. That sounds yeah. like it'd be kind of fun to go go to. Yes, and so for people who are feeling philanthropic, and if you think our our show is well, I we hope you donate to us because we're awesome and we're look, definitely looking for funding. But if you want other people who actually have more established stuff, um, they are doing a Kickstarter. Um, if you look up Aaron J, well, he's actually scaring J Amendola right now on uh, Twitter. But uh, um, if people are interested, I could post some links. They are trying to uh, do three thousand dollars to be able to pay for basically a year of their programming, being able to do, um, go to the theater every month. And they're already, they opened up fundraising at the show and they're already halfway there. So nice. if people are interested, uh, well, we would love fundraising as well, but the, an extra benefit to donating to them is that, uh, we do, I donated. And if their pro their Kickstarter project is successful, we get a free theme song for our podcast. Nice. Oh, there you go. Nice. That's cool. So, um, uh, why does um, Amadala donating to us is I don't come and punch you in the face. So I mean, anybody <laughs> listening, um, I will come punch you in the face if you don't donate. So you know, there's that. That's a good benefit. Fact, yes, maybe and... that could go on our Kickstarter, like our donation. You don't board. get punched in the face. Yeah, you don't get. That's that's a bonus right there. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a very good bonus. And Dan, I think you're confusing Amidala with Amendala. Um, oh, okay. What is that what his is? Is Amendala? Yes. Okay. He, he is not the princess of Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I that sounds familiar to me and I couldn't put my finger on it. Well, that's cool. Yeah, this looks like an interesting show. I'd like to go see this. So he just does Chicago right now, huh? Um uh, well he has his own podcast and like I said, a lot of the people in this group do podcasts, so you could catch some of their podcasts and I could post some of the links in our show notes on our website. Nice. Um but the geek show itself right now is just Chicago. Um and like I said, they bring in a lot of the people from the local scene. He's basically shining a spotlight on people who are doing cool stuff and letting them have a chance to do it for, for his audience. So it's kind of a win-win for oh, everybody. Nice. Very cool. cool. Let's see if you could get on his show then. That I mean, would be cool. You're there in the Chicago's. You're doing local nerdy stuff. Oh, one thing that we did see, um, the reason they're doing that fundraising is to try to keep the show free. Uh, the, the tickets, that you do have to get tickets, but the tickets themselves are free. The, the theater's not big enough to just be able to accommodate everybody. Um, but I, I did post on the Agents of Game uh, Facebook group uh, the the other source of funding. They started selling CDs, which are not real CDs, but um, the, go watch the video. Uh, it's love songs from the DC universe. Oh yeah, I need to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that is that is quality right there. That's cool. And that's something. Is the person who wrote that or did that the same guy that would do our podcast music? I assume so. I, mean, I don't know how many people were involved in writing it because there were several yeah. people who actually recorded it. But I assume so. Yes, that's cool. And I just yeah, that's. I wish I would have stayed with music in my life because. That'd be great to know how to do that stuff. I would say it's not too late, Dan, but it really, really <laughs> but is. But it really is too late. <laughs> I can barely use my computer. 
I don't know. I was going to get one of my buddies has given me his uh he has an old electric guitar and I was going to start playing around with uh what is it? The uh Rocksmith or what our guitar smith the uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yeah. plug into the TV. He says that it's actually pretty good. Like he's been playing guitar since, you know, since high school and he actually says it's pretty good. So I'm going to check it out and see how it is. You ever read some uh some people post some stuff about how they taught themselves on that game? Yeah. Yeah. But... Definitely talked a bit about games. Whatever, what's everybody playing right now? Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Wasteland Two that came out last oh, week. I was going to ask about how that game is. That's that's on my list of things that I don't have yet. Yeah, my it's, wish list. It's really good. It's a little rough around it. It's a kickstarted game, and it mm-hmm. came out on Steam last year. I think I talked about it a little bit last year. I can't remember because it was the coming soon. But um, but it is phenomenal. Like I love. Turn-based games, turn-based strategy games. They just there's a there's just stuff you can do in them that real-time combat just can't allow. And okay, so I love the fact that um, so I I just like the fact that you can place your squad and place different individuals in different areas to get bonuses. Like your sniper, if you get him up high, you know you're almost guaranteed to hit your targets. And if you get your melee guys close, you have to cover them with your gun guys. Like there's just stuff like that that you do, and it just makes the combat way more in depth than just pulling the trigger. And um, have you ever, um, since you you like the turn-based strategy, have you played one of the, you know, Heroes of Might and Magic is one of the classics of all classics, but yes. one of the other ones that's kind of an off, off the mainstream a little bit, but it is unbelievably cool and has a huge cult following is the Final Fantasy Tactics. Did you ever play that? I never oh did. Oh my word. Yes. I've heard really good things, but yeah, I have never played. Best real time strategy of all time. It, it, it is changed amazing. my life. Yeah, this is. Yeah, you have to go find a copy of this game. And this. What's it for? CD what system? For it. It, it was PS One. PS One. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, that's why so I never played it. Gotcha. I don't know. I'm sure there's an emulator out there for it or something like that. Uh, there are emulators for PS One. Absolutely, it's probably going to be harder to track down the ROM for it. Right, and I'm in no way advocating you go steal it, but if you can get a hold of it however you choose to get a hold of it, you definitely should do that. <laughs> yeah, one of my... If you like real-time strategy. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, for me, it, I hadn't played uh, Heroes of Might and Magic, so for me, it, it was the start of that, that genre for me. So gotcha. It's really good. It, it brings in all the cool spells and morphs and things from the Final Fantasy world, but brings it into... Um, real-time strategy, and cool. it's a little weird, you know, it has the, that JRPG flair to it, where it's like, I have no idea what's going on, but the combat's awesome. Gotcha. So, now, now you're saying real-time strategy, is it real-time strategy, or is it uh, turn-based? I'm sorry, I, I spoke turn, turn-based. Okay, I, I and is it, um, and do they do the graph, like, uh, the graph layout on the ground, so you can like see a grid, squares? A grid and yes, exactly. Okay. Nice. And um, you turn your Facing is important. If you're turned away from somebody, they're going to get a backstab. Yeah, flank damage. And... That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. games like that. I it's excellent. My start it's... was um, the very first turn-based strategy game I played, and it was excellent. And I'm probably going to name it wrong here because it's been so long. But it was on PS2, and it was uh, Front Mission. I think Does that sound right. It's like a yep, a mech a mech based yep, turn-based it. strategy. Oh my gosh, that game blew me away. Because, that was a very cool game. Yeah, it had the turn-based strategy, and it was the very first time I played a game like that. Um, actually, it was probably the second time, because there was a game on N64 I played first. But 
that's a whole different thing. But anyway, um, and but you could customize your mechs on top of of it. It wasn't just a set in stone um, army that you controlled. And my goodness, I love that game. It was so amazing. And then they went and turned it into a real time third third person shooter. <laughs> the last front mission game. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I I love turn-based strategy games. You just can't get depth like that, like w- with normal games. But but oh, I agree. Um, with Wasteland Two, it is really good, and you can custom. You can either start the game with your own custom group. So, um, me and my roommate, we went through and created people that we knew to start, and so that's my squad. So there's four of you that start out, and then, um, and then you pick up up to seven people that go out with you in the wilderness or the wasteland. And then, um, and they're set in stone, but then you can customize their skills and the weapon loadout that they have. Um, and then uh, you can build up your attributes, your skills within the game. And there's a ton of skills. And uh, by the way, for those of you who know about Wasteland, the guy who made Wasteland 2 um, created Fallout, the Fallout series. And so it has a lot of that same feeling of the original Fallout games that were also turn-based games. And so there's a lot of uh, Easter eggs and stuff in there, um, and even story uh, in there that you've seen if you've been playing the Fallout games. It's pretty cool. But I highly recommend that, picking it up. It, uh, like I said, it's rough around the edges. It is a Kickstart game. Um, so there's a lot of things that are kind of like more... They don't break the game, but they're just annoying to deal with cons- constantly. Like every time it loads, the uh, text bar fills up the half of the right side of the screen and you always have to switch the camera mode to take it down. And it happens every time and it's just really annoying. And uh, and then the camera, instead of having it, it's using the Unity engine, which is a really common engine right now for independent studios. Um, and I personally, I like the engine. I think that for being a free, isn't it free now? Yeah. Unity engine? Yeah, for being a it free depends, engine. You know, if you're using it for commercial purposes, I think you have to pay for it. But Okay. But it's, I mean, it... it it holds up its own. I mean, it's a it's a good looking engine. There's a few games I've played with it. Max, uh, the Curse of Brotherhood, you used in Unity, if I remember right, and that was a gorgeous game. But um, but anyway, it, the camera instead of uh, phasing through the edges of the map or on obstacles, it will get stuck and pull. Like if you get behind a mountain when you're in an area, it will pull the camera all the way back. You can't even see your guys, and so you have to shift the camera to try to find the angle so it doesn't get stuck behind the object where. Most games like XCOM just phase um, through objects or make them invisible, so it's not even an issue. So just stuff like that, like little touches where I'm guessing a small team worked on the game where a bigger team would find it and fix it and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that through updates they'll fix a lot of that frustration. But oh my gosh, it's just amazing combat. Like uh, the very first time, I didn't realize how violent the game was until the first time I used the shotgun up close on an enemy and I got a crit on the guy and his arms and legs and his torso and his head just all split apart and blew off. And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> and then another time my melee guy cut a guy in half and the guy was like trying to crawl away and like with half of his body gone and then he uh, bled out and died. And I was just like, nice. Jiminy Christmas. There's just a lot of detail in that, but it was, you know, I mean, it's violent, but it's, it's cool at the same time. But, uh, um, there's a, I mean, it definitely has a, uh, a graphical appeal, if it, but it's not like the most amazing graphics ever to blow your mind. But that sounds the, cool. But it's a numbers-based RPG, and so there's depth there, and it is just tons of depth there. 
and it's just great. It has a level 50 cap. I'm hitting a level 20, actually. Or actually, I just I think I hit 22 with my guy, but um, I've got quite a ways to go before I max out. But uh, right now, I'm running into an issue, and it just popped up. I don't know if it's the... It happened after I downloaded the new update for the preview, the new Xbox Experience Preview program. So every time an achievement pops in the game, it locks up the game and kicks me out. So I've lost, like, luckily, only, I think, max, like, 30 minutes of work so far with that happening but uh oh, that's still that's a lot of time but yeah it's kind of it discouraged me from playing a lot for since that's happened in the last few days i haven't been getting as much time before assassin's creed comes out as i've wanted but but yeah definitely wasteland 2 if you see it on sale i don't know if i could recommend the full price i think it might even be a cheaper game anyway but um but definitely if you see it on sale and you're a fan of strategy pick it up and then cool. the other thing Today, uh, the final episode released for uh, Telltale's uh, Tales of the Borderlands. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, if you're a fan of the, you know, those um, narrative uh, text adventure, or not text adventure, you know, but adventure type games. I haven't tried a Telltale game yet. I grabbed the, because it was free, you know, I grabbed the, the Walking Dead one. Um, uh, so I'll check that out and see how it is. It, it, everybody says it's really good, so we'll see is, how it is. Yeah, sometimes they have weird mechanics, like, I'm an inverted player for my games, and madness. when they do, uh, so when they do, like, combat scenes in their games, Walking Dead has them, every game that they, or every, yeah, every game they've done they do has, the right way, has action scenes, and they do them non-inverted, so for me, it takes right me, way. like, eight times of failing before my mind can recorrect <laughs> my angles, yeah. and then, um... I know the feels, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, repentance is hard, but once you learn to do it the right way, yeah. stay doing it the right just way. Just keep doing no, it the right way, no. and it won't be a problem for I, you anymore. I feel like I'm flying an airplane when I'm using my controller, so that's why my controls are inverted, because I'm controlling something. But you're not. You're looking up and down. Because and... <laughs> I invert them. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I I invert them for plane-based games like Battlefield. Yeah. Uh, all my controls on Battlefield for airplanes are inverted. Right. But then it makes sense because that's what you're doing. When right. you're piloting a human, you don't, you aren't inverted. <laughs> I know. The only time it's okay to do anything like an airplane as a human being is when you're trying to feel, feed your own kid. And <laughs> aside I wonder from that, that you're a human being. That'd actually be an interesting, like, uh, psychological study, if that's the right term, for finding out that why certain gamers game inverted and why certain gamers yeah. game. Yeah non-inverted and what that would mean like you know how they say like your right brain left brain i wonder if like right brain right brain people do one thing and left brain people do one thing the other well, thing I, my, my guess is people who play non-inverted probably stop spoon feeding at maybe six months a year year and a half tops and people who were like what dan 13 <laughs> <laughs> no that was breastfeeding i didn't finish breastfeeding until i was 13 oh nice. okay. <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to stop feeding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait a second. Um, but yeah, Tales of Borderlands, though, and I was just going to say, I I started it today, because with Telltale Games, I found, like, with The Walking Dead, I would play episode by episode, but then I'd forget it by the time it was three months before the next episode came out. So oh, for yeah. Tales of Borderlands, I just waited until today to start playing. And so I'm only, I just finished episode one today. But um, from what I've been reading from comments online and from reviews that... Tells the Borderlands is Telltale's best story to date. So, cool. if you're looking for a good, a good uh, um, story-based adventure game, um, 
Elves of Borderlands sounds like it's a good way to go. Nice. Be all over that. Those are my two games. I'm. Yeah. Dave, what are you playing? Um, well, I've been playing uh, pretty much just Elite Dangerous right now. Yeah. And it is very cool depending on who you are. Now this is a this is just an open world, open universe, free range, jump in a spaceship, fly it around sort of game, right? Yes. Yep. Um, there, it's basically modeled after our galaxy. There are, it's it's massive. It's ridiculously huge what they did with it. Um, but there is a very steep learning curve to the game. Um, and so it takes a while to get used to. Not just that, though. It makes sense logically. You can't just be thrown out into the gigantic vastness of space and be doing epic things right away. Uh, it, it makes you earn a little bit to get better ships, um, which doesn't take too long to get at least halfway decent ships. Um, mm-hmm. But then it depends what you want to do in the game. With the, there, There is a PvP in the game that's like a, a, a pure PvP um, that I have not tried yet. But then there's also a flying around and just shooting crap up and killing people, which you could do as well. Um, for for the type of player that I am, you know, in most, like, for example, in uh, uh, real-time strategy games, I tend to be a turtler. I like to build up everything myself, and then once I'm good and ready, then I'll go, which can take a while to do. Like, I, basically, I've been playing the game for about a week, and I've got the second, arguably the second best overall ship in the game, maybe the best over overall ship in the game. Um, but I still don't feel I'm ready to do a lot of combat yet. I'm still just grinding for money and doing upgrades on my ship. And uh, can you get out of the ship, or is it all just in the ship? Right, I, not right yet. now, no. Okay. Um, basically, you fly around, and you could pick up different missions. Like you'd pick up delivery of legitimate goods. You could pick up um, smuggling missions. Where if you get if you get caught and scanned, they'll give you a fine. If you don't pay your fine, they'll put a bounty on your head for that for that mm-hmm. star system. <clears throat> but you could also do bounty hunting missions. You could do scavenging missions in space. You could do mining missions. Um, or and there's also alliances without uh, throughout the populated galaxy. Um, to where you could work to support your side and then undermine other forces. So there's, it's a really deep game. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, but so far, as I'm getting to the point where, like, my I feel confident that my ship is a pretty good ship. A lot of what you're doing depend would seem to require you to either like doing things on your own, um, like doing organized PvP, or Maybe just wait until one of their expansion comes out that adds a lot of stuff. There will be an expansion that adds in um, actually traveling down to planets, exploring planets, mining planet services. See, that's what I'd be into. That's that's what I was hoping that game was going to have in it. So maybe I'll Um, wait until it has that expansion. There's going to be some more like fleet ships and things like that. Uh, Um, Co-op piloting. Um, but the thing that I was wondering while I was playing is one of the things that I want to do is I wanted to have a, I want to be part of a big fleet and I want to be on a ship where, you know, there's a pilot, there's a co-pilot, there are gunners, there are people doing different things. And I, I knew that Star Citizen was probably the best place to go for that, but, and I haven't played Star Citizen, but from what I understand of that, you still own your ships. And even in that, I'm thinking that, you know, if someone destroys your ship, you're kind of screwed. You might be able to have an insurance policy on it. Um, Elite Dangerous does have an insurance policy. You have to pay, like, 
5% of its value back or something like that, which can be pretty expensive. Yeah, it can but add up pretty quick. <laughs> but it's not like there's big open space combat going on in that, and I don't think there will be an Elite Dangerous either because you know, once your ship's blown up, even if you can get it back, you're going to be at the last starport, you're going to have to fly who knows how far to get to where the combat is. And so I'm really just left wondering... I enjoy Elite Dangerous. I think I would like Star Citizen, but really, I'm just hoping for X-Wing. I just yeah. want another X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's what I want. You just want to do some combat and whatnot. And, and I want big and without scale it, combat. And without it costing so much to do it. Uh, oh, I want the pace of it. I, I want... I mean, a, I want... Twitch just to jump in and shoot stuff. Jump in and shoot stuff, or have like a big, complex cooperative missions where you're trying to take down a star destroyer you're trying to take yeah. down this it doesn't even have to be competitive it could be cooperative but have it large scale have it large scale and have it fast paced so that if you die you're not spending half an hour to get back to the fight and blowing three hours worth of money yeah on repaying for your ship yeah that would be nice, uh, that would be nice. Interesting. so yeah, that, that was, so we're going full circle Star Wars X-Wing. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with the problem I had with Elite Dangerous personally was um and I got to say I only I only played it for about 10 hours before I decided to wait for Horizons cuz that's going to be way more my speed yeah, doing the, the like landing and Horizons is the expansion tears. by the way. Yeah, Horizons is the expansion, yeah. Um but what I did in my experience this is my experience for the first two times I played. So I played for 10 hours only two times. So take that for what it is because obviously that's not you know, that's not a lot of time in a game like that's that. It's two five-hour settings. Yeah. Um, but in my, my first night playing, it was seven hours, and I was learning the game for, for the first few hours. So uh, so playing the actual game was probably about um, probably four hours of playing the open open game doing missions. And I failed every mission. I had, I had cargo with me to... Because what you do to make money is you start delivering cargo and you start doing that to get money to buy the better ships, to buy the better parts, and then, you know, it's that cycle. And so the first time, um, I accidentally dropped out of hyperspeed or whatever they call it in the game, and my ship lost all power, and I started losing oxygen in my cockpit, and so I had to self-destruct. So it took out all the cargo I had with me. So that was, I think it was about uh, $80,000, and I had another thing in there for $100,000. So that was all gone disappeared and i had to start back at the freaking starport where i started so then i got two new missions and um they were gonna add up to uh or no i that's right those that wasn't the big one the other one i got was um or no it was the big one anyway so i got two other big ones and they're delivering slaves to a planet and then delivering like these military secrets and so and both of those were going to pay me about three to four hundred thousand dollars so i was really excited i was like sweet i'll get some money and um i think what happened is i didn't realize i went into uh hyperdrive to the next solar system while i was checking my list of things to make sure i was doing the right one first or whatever and while I was checking my list, I came out of hyperdrive and was going right towards the sun. And so when I came out of the list, Whoops. my I was getting a heat warning and everything, and I turned around to try to get away. And right when I right before I got out of the heat thing to start um, self repairing or whatever you want to call it, my cargo doors opened because of the heat, and all my slaves and cargo 
got flung into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and so I lost oh all that. God, what a horrible life people have had. First they're a slave, and then their, their rescuer dumps them into a, into a star. <laughs> and so well, those I was... are some pretty spectacular fails, though, Dan. Oh, like dude. Wow. Yeah, yeah, really bad. And so by then, I was, that was four hours of me playing, and I hadn't earned a dime. I spent, I spent my money to repair my ship, and then, um, and then I came out of that, got to the, the next starport where I could go, and I was just like, dude, I just can't keep playing this. And the whole time, though, I was playing, it was right after Wasteland 2 came out, and I was just, the whole time I was playing, I was like, dude, I could be spending all this time playing Wasteland 2 and actually accomplishing something. Because there's times you can literally be staring at your screen for 10 minutes while you're flying towards a starport or whatever yeah. in that game. That's and, old, which, almost kind of old school uh, MMO scale. Like, exactly. I don't know if any of exactly. you guys ever played the first EverQuest, but the first EverQuest, you could run for half an hour in yep. between two different cities. And mm-hmm. that appealed to me. I actually really, really enjoyed that. I I play WoW and I play the, the modern MMOs, but stuff like that actually appealed to me more. I, I don't like the convenience features that they've added. I'm one of those codgery old men that's like, no, you have it too easy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and that and I'm exactly opposite because I didn't like MMOs. Every time I tried them, I was like, dude, I'm paying a subscription to walk in a virtual world, and it just bugged me. And and that's where I'm coming from. Like I don't I like that's what makes it not doing anything. Quote unquote virtual world. Though. And there's that's no, and that's no what they're going for here in this world. You know, right? And that's what I they're going want for. A virtual world. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's what it's supposed to be. And it's a sim. So I'm not knocking the game for that. It's just not my style. So you're gonna and, wait for the the expansion that lets you walk around on the planets. Yeah. So then that way I can go to a planet and mine and do stuff. And yeah. hopefully I can give. And walk. My cargo to other people that I'm playing with that do like doing the simmy stuff. Yeah. And, hold on. My dog's freaking out for some reason. And uh, <laughs> and so I'm hoping that that I can give that cargo to my friends, let them do the the you know the trucking while I do the mining, and I'll be okay with that. It'll be way more my speed doing that. But and then I'm also hoping eventually they add like combat on foot and stuff like that. But. But yeah, right now it's just there's just too much other stuff where I just couldn't get interested in it. If it was in a dry spell, I would have probably taken more time to try to get into the the feeling of it, you know, because you definitely have to want to have that semi of an experience. Very cool. But, huh. Well, it does sound pretty neat. Yeah, it does. It does. It sounds pretty good. I, I like your idea on the uh, the mining on the ground and then just selling it to the person and then they go and do all the ferry. I think that's a good idea, though. Yeah, that yeah, sounds pretty cool. There's a lot of cool stuff that the game has a lot of potential, and I, like I said, I do enjoy it. But I want to play co-op mostly, and even within the game, you know, if I buy a big cargo ship, each ship has has its advantages and disadvantages. But like the main cargo ships, um, obviously, a cargo ship isn't going to be a good combat fighter. And so, in theory, it would be nice if you had this big con- cargo ship with lots of stuff. You could go on a mission with like some. A wingman to help cover escorts. you, yeah. escort, yeah, and then cool. pay them part of the cut for your cargo delivery. Because if they're flying a tiny starfighter, a little starfighter with no cargo bay or a very small cargo bay, they're not making much money. Yep. But now, there's really right wait. now there's there's no way to share within the system. You know, you you might deliver twenty million dollars worth of goods, and you want to compensate them and that right now there's no way to do it that i'm aware of at least and you can't even when you do do co-op there's no way to uh, 
doo-doo. Um, there's no way to uh, keep track of your co-op partner and stay with them. So even uh, if you were to try to escort somebody, it's like, dude, I have, you know, like I can see you on the map, but when I'm here, we're in space. So it's like, knows how far, you know, there's just no way of keeping you together in a formation or anything anyway. Well, really there there is, guys... but it's limited. It, you can you can turn on wing beacons on, um, but for for delivery missions, there's kind of no point to right now. Yeah, you don't get it. There's no PvP. You're not going to get attacked in the middle of space or something. Oh yeah, saying. you can. Yes. You can, but you oh. just can't get paid for it. So the uh, person who would be escorting would be doing it for free, but using all their resources. Uh, okay. So what you what you really want is, is Eve Online, is what I'm hearing. Uh, potentially, I've heard sort of bad things about how expensive that can be, but I think I've had it misconstrued to me because what I've looked up doesn't appear to reflect what people were I saying. I don't know about but, expensive. I mean, you pay a subscription. It's it well, is, you know, it's, it's, the, the way people had referred to it made it sound like you were spending thousands of dollars on the big ships, but apparently it's thousands of dollars worth of time, yes, not yeah. actually worth of money. Yeah, exactly. And these people, I mean, this is... Eve Online has hung around for a long time and it has become yeah. this living. It has its own economy. The players took over the economy and drive the economy now. There's exactly what you've described with like shipping runs and there's guild ships, this big mother guild ships, and then the the people around it. And some of the look you can look up, you know, uh, screen capture videos of. You know these epic wars that start between the huge, uh, the huge guilds and stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty neat the the way this game is developed because a lot of it was really left in the hands of the players. It became kind of a a project with the players more than anything, and it was one of those great examples of devs listening to to what their player base wanted and not just what their publisher wanted or whatever. But. Unfortunately, I hate to beat this. I hate to keep saying this for over and over again. But until I can get a new computer, whether it's an older game like Eve or a newer <laughs> game like Star Citizen, if it's if it's a PC only, I'm not going to be playing it anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, um, definitely, which is but sad. I did try Eve Online back when it first came out, and it's it hard was to get just into. yeah, it was so complicated. I was just like, dude, it and is. I couldn't even uh, I couldn't even honestly get started. <laughs> It's, it's like very no tough, way. and it's one that you almost had to have been playing since the beginning to really get it now, and if you start now, you're going to have to put in a ton of time to get into a guild and get moved up and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's not something you can just drop into, I think, anymore. But yeah. uh, so, but those that, kind of games with that kind of depth is pretty pretty sweet, though. I mean, yeah. they don't come around too often. No, huh? It's one of those, those rare ones, you know, the... Everything that's come out that MMO-wise since World of Warcraft hasn't felt like anything. EverQuest before World of Warcraft was really the touchstone. There was nothing before that. Nothing. There'd be little things that would crop up like it, but nothing that was it. So yeah, you have those touchstone games and those genres that yeah that hold on forever and ever and ever. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have never played EVE Online, but I have read uh, several articles about it, and it does sound kind of what you were like what you were looking for, Dan. But he's mm-hmm. right, it is a huge game, and it would take a lot of time to get going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they, they do, the way these massive guilds have set themselves up is they have the guy that's just doing the resource gathering, and then there's other guys that are in charge of transport and defense and all this other stuff. So, yeah. it's And then Eve got big enough that it spawned Dust, which is 
yeah. like an on on foot part of that world, and it you support the, the space. economies tie into each other too. Yeah. So I I don't I didn't play Dust. I just played Eve. I heard Dust was pretty terrible, but that the mm. uh, the way that they connected the corporations and stuff, I heard yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a cool idea. Anyways, yeah, it was a good concept. Yeah. So Matt, wish... what about you? What are you playing? So um. I'm still playing Hearthstone, of course. The big news in Hearthstone is that they finally nerfed the, uh, how do I want to put it, the ruling card deck in competitive play. It was a deck called Patron Warrior. And the way that it won is uh, the warrior class has a lot of ways to deal damage to its own minions. And it has a card that will give uh, charge, which lets that card attack the the turn that it was played instead of normally you would have to wait. And if it's got a low enough starting attack, then it gets this charge ability from this card. And so what they would do is they would play a card and it would have the low enough starting damage to get the charge ability, but using their effects and other, um, and other kind of not gimmicks, but you know, class effects that they had class cards they were able to drive up the attack value on these characters and these cards so high that they could literally kill a person in one attack. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It, so, I mean, of course, the deck w- was hard to play, and there was a lot of decisions and stuff to make, and you had to, you know, make sure that you didn't go too early because then you wouldn't have enough cards and enough damage to finish them off and things like that. But it could really win against any deck that it came up against if it had a good enough, uh, you know, if it drew the cards right. So what they did is they took away the ability of the card to grant charge. They basically nerfed it into the ground. It's it's literally a garbage card now. (laughs) (laughs) People hate that when that happens, huh? (laughs) Yeah, but that's pretty much the only way that they could do it. And and kill the deck because the the meta game is is so stagnant in Hearthstone right now. Um, I did a couple of my last uh, decks of the week on it, and uh, they released this whole new expansion. I told you guys about this last week. Uh, only one card has had any impact on the meta game at all in competitive play, mm. and it's because of this deck. There were no cards that directly countered the deck, so they had to nerf it. Mm. So that happened this week. I haven't had a chance to play since then, um, but it's going to be the wild, wild west for probably another month or so while people figure out what decks are strong and things <laughs> like that. I just started playing this last week, actually. I think you had talked about it a couple of weeks ago, so I decided to give it a try. And I like it. It's fun. I just finished like the the tutorial or whatever where you play through seven or eight different rounds uh-huh. it's fun i really like it it's good for sure um, it is it's a very fun game it's easy to get into although it is a bit daunting with all the cards that you have to collect mm-hmm. but if you uh if you play the arena mode you get cards that you don't have in your collection you can still choose them for your decks oh, okay so but uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into starting it, and I don't really want to go into it now. I didn't do a deck of the week this week because I don't have a deck 
to talk about right now. <laughs> there aren't any that really popped out at me. Um, so maybe that's what I will do. I will uh, maybe put a starting, uh, like a getting started guide on the website Ooh, yeah, next week. Oh, that'd be a good idea, yeah. Yeah, because it definitely seems fun, but it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on there, so I need to sit down and mess with that. I like that I can play it on my phone or on my computer or wherever. You it's know. all connected. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a nice thing, because then when I'm sitting there with downtime, I can play a game that actually, that I, you know, you know, so many of those stupid phone games I don't get into because it doesn't really mean anything, but not yeah. that any game really means anything, but, you know, that I could take home and play on a bigger system or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and the nice thing is that if as long as somebody is playing a fast deck, then it's not going to be more than maybe 10 minutes a game. So you can literally hop on, play one or two games, and then you can go about your business and do something else. Yeah. So. so far, I've only been playing against the computer, which is fun. But I guess I could I could sit down and play against a human too. Well, no, I would keep going with the computer. There's you have to play against the uh, each class to unlock it and be able to play as it. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to do that is just to play against the computer on normal. And after okay. you beat all of those classes on normal, then you can go to expert mode, which is a bit harder, but it's still the computer, so it's still pretty right. easy to beat. Um, and then once you're, once you've done that and beat it on regular and on expert, then you can probably start going with other players. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. And let's see, the other game that I've been playing this week, uh, was a game called Brigador and this is on Steam and it's only the early access, but, uh, I had a chance to do a review on it, uh, what it is is like, uh, um, how do I want to explain it? It's like an 80s movie, like Terminator kind of feel, like Robocop gritty 80s movie feel to it. And you're going around in this vehicle, there's some mechs, there's some tanks, there's some like hover ships, and the environment is completely destructible. You can blow up walls, you can smash people, you can you know, blow up other ships and things like that. You use the walls for cover. It's so much fun to play. (laughs) (laughs) And is it uh, top down or third person? It's isometric is the term that. Oh, isometric. Okay. Um, That's like, which means that it's like, yeah, it's kind of, kind of third person, but it's a little bit up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, you walk around and you have, you've got, uh, like six different ships that you can choose from and each ship has kind of a different spread of weapons there's like there's mini guns there's chain guns there's lasers there's cannons um and you uh you basically go around trying to blow up the enemy's guns or their captain units and they have a like a little marking over them uh, and that's how you beat the stage. And then you have to get out of the stage, and it, it's it has um, it has they're called contracts, but it's basically a campaign. So you start out with one level, and then you move on to the next one, and the next one, and they get progressively harder until you reach the end uh, level, which is the spaceport. 
and after you complete your objective on that level, then you hit the spaceship and you you take off and you won the the campaign. Hmm. Interesting. Um, it's still early access, so a lot of the stuff. It, they don't have a lot of the stuff that they've talked about. Uh, like, they want to add... Uh, you can select your pilot, too. And there's some kind of unlocking system, possibly with the uh, points that you earn during the game. Um, right now, all it is, basically, is you go and you smash and shoot things around in these levels. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much fun. And what it's, are, it's, oh, what's the ahead. graphic style, then? Is it... Uh, is it... A realistic looking game, eight bit, sixteen bit. It's I know Steam early access does sixteen bit. Okay. Um, like I said, it it has that feel like a nineteen eighties movie, and okay. it's definitely not like cutting edge graphics. But... Yeah, it's, that's what I was wondering. Like, it, since yeah. it's early access, it seems like a lot of developers go more for uh, like having that be a stylistic choice because it's obviously easier to do that when you're on an independent schedule or budget. And then mm-hmm. have just cool features within that that we would never have back in the day with the same graphics. But yeah, so but I mean, you get to uh, uh, if you uh, get surrounded, it's really easy to get blown up. If you uh, if you smash something that is explosive, it will blow you up. <laughs> um, the uh, the humans when you step on them, they make this lovely squishing sound. So, awesome. Nice. It's very. It's, it's so much fun to play. Um, it's twenty dollars, I think, to buy the early access. So you know, I don't know how many people would be interested in in doing it without the complete, you know, package yeah. everything that they're offering. And what was it called again? Brigador. Brigador. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it, it kept my energy. It kept me entertained for for quite a while, and the missions get pretty hard. Uh, you have uh, there's one that covers all of the map. The sorry, the first mission is like four missions. The first campaign is four missions long, and then the second campaign is five missions long. Then there's a third campaign that combines all of the maps from the previous two missions, and I couldn't beat the third campaign because by the time I got to the fourth or fifth mission, it was just too hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) The enemies were too, were there were too many enemies and they were too accurate and you don't get like health pickups and stuff. You can pick up extra shields from defeated enemies, but once your health is gone, you're dead and you don't Mm -hmm. get more health between uh, missions. All you have is your shields. So but it's a lot of fun to play i want to see where they go with it to uh to kind of flesh out the story a bit more or add in those extra features i think they also mentioned a map editor or something like that but um yeah it's it's a lot of fun to play maybe if you guys see it on sale and you want to just go and blow some stuff up it's worth trying nice and who doesn't yeah right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been doing. Uh, it's just uh, Brigador and Star and uh, and Hearthstone this week. Nice. And Sean, you were mentioning uh, you were doing a little bit with WoW and uh, had seen some cool things in that. 
Yeah, uh, so that's that's my big one that I've been doing this week. I went back to WoW, I picked up Warlords of Draenor. I had stopped, to give context, I had stopped um, seriously playing after Burning Crusade. Uh, I played all the way up to the level cla- <clears throat> excuse me, the level cap of Burning, Burning Crusade. And I had taken a little bit of time off. Then I noticed one time that uh, my account had been hacked and taken over by a gold farmer. I took it back, and I discovered that they had added uh, Lich King to it. So they'd bought a expansion <laughs> for me. So that was kind of awesome. Nice. And had littered my account with thousands of level 1 gold mules. And so it meant I had billions of gold. So I went back and played for a little while during Lich King. <laughs> I never actually finished Lich King, so I messed around with that and spent a bunch of money. And they had leveled my main character. They'd taken my main character from 60 or whatever the level cap was then up to 80. Dang. So my, that was kind of nice. I'd gotten a, a free level 80 out of that. So that was kind of cool. I enjoyed that. But anyway, so I, I really I played a little bit of Lich King, but I didn't play a ton of it. Um, so I decided to go back. I'd heard good things. So I picked up Draenor, and plus, when you buy it, you get a free upgrade to level 90, so you could take one of your existing characters, or you could take a brand new character. Um, and you get all the expansions previous to it, so for whatever it was, you know, it was, I think it was $60, or something like that, you know, you get a, you get backfilled for everything, so it was kind of nice. Um... But it's really cool. There's a lot of really fun stuff in it uh, for anybody that hasn't been playing. The monk class is a lot of fun. I usually play healers in games like that. And the monk has some really fun mechanics like you can beat on a dude and part of the damage that you're doing goes to heal somebody that's hurt around you. Yeah, Um, I heard about that. I played WoW for a long time too, but I stopped playing at Mists of Pandaria when I introduced the monks. Yeah, and the monk's a lot of fun. That's what I decided to start, just to see how it was. But I, I really debated, and I didn't know about something that I've found out about since then, but I decided not to use my level 90 boost on that and just play that character. They've completely scrapped all the old old experience tables, and I got to like forty level 40 in like uh, maybe... Probably... 10 hours worth of time. I mean, I Dang. flew to level 40. Oh, it's, yeah. That's... It's ridiculous now. I, mean, I remember four, the 40 first was time I was playing, yeah. Work. 40 yeah, was yeah. A, a chore, and you really had to work for it, because you got oh, your yeah. first mount or something like that. And yeah, now yeah, it's that was... just nothing. Yeah, yeah, 40 was your first mount, and you had to... I mean, it was grind and grind and grind. <laughs> like, just hitting level 10, I remember taking two or three days. Of, or, you know, you could do it in one setting, but it was a good eight-hour session to get yeah, to level you still, 10. Yeah, you, like, would wipe out one whole zone, and then you'd have to move on to your next zone. Yeah. You'd have to be, like, halfway through that zone to finish at least level 10, yeah. I'm out-leveling zones uh, oh, f- yeah. faster so than I can do stuff. Well, and plus, they've added in... Um, so I got to about level 20 just playing around doing quests and stuff in zones... Then I was like, okay, I'm going to check out their new queue system for the um, for dungeons. And because I spec'd my monk as a healer, uh, healers go really, really fast, as you'd expect. Most, yeah. most games, it turns out that way because nobody plays healers. <laughs> Everybody plays DPS. So warriors and healers get into groups in like five seconds. So I get into these groups in five seconds, and it's in no way, you know, it's all the old world dungeons, just the same way they were before. 
But whatever it is that they've changed, or just because people have done these a million times, they're speedrun dungeons. I mean, we're talking about doing, um, what is it, uh, the gnome one. Um, oh, Gnomeragon. Yes, yeah, Gnomeragon or whatever so it was. so long. 15, 20 minutes tops. And you just sit yeah. there and do them over and over and over again, and you're getting thousands and thousands of experience. I I did my first dungeon at 20, maybe 25, something like that. I can't remember if it was Scarlet Monastery or something that I got into at that level. I went up three levels while I was in just in that one instance. <laughs> and then I dropped out and got right back into another one and then went up like one more level. Because the first time through, you've got all the quests that you can complete. And it just gives you, there's one quest giver right at the front that gives you a, all the quests for that um, that dungeon. So the first time through, you get a bunch. Plus, every time you queue for a random dungeon, if you don't do it a targeted dungeon, you just you can queue for any random one, which gets you in faster, but it also gets you money and it gets you experience. You get basically it treats it like a quest. And so a every time drop, you sign I think up, at the lower level experience. What's that? Oh, sorry. Don't you get a free uh, item too, like a belt or a cape or something? Yeah, you get. I think every time you run through, or the first time through, yeah, you yeah, get an item levels. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're just stacking experience and money, and yeah, I flew from twenty to forty in just a few hours by just doing. I didn't do any missions. I stopped doing missions and just did random dungeons as a healer, and just I did pure. I didn't even do the fighting version of healing. I just did the. They call it the Mist Walker, and I just sat back and just pumped health juice into people and yeah it, it was awesome it was totally the way to go so i don't feel bad about it like i said i'm i stopped at about 45 and there's enough the monk has these really unique interesting game mechanics to how they play uh so i was too worried to use my level 90 so it's like okay i'll use something that i know i know how to play a wizard um i know how to play a wizard at high level i'll use my free 90 on that and so i I used my free 90 to jump up because I was playing on a server with a, a buddy from work. And uh, so I used it on his server to jump a guy up to 90. They added this thing because he didn't even know about it. He had used his 90 and he didn't have it. But they added a tutorial basically for people that do exactly what I did is don't use your a character you already had. Use a base level one brand new character. They have a little tutorial that Instead of earning, you earn items the first four or five missions that it has you do, but then every two or three missions after that, you earn a chunk of your abilities. And until that, they have them all locked off. You start off with three abilities like you were a level one, but you're going up against level 90 stuff that's wow. kind of scaled the fight. And then you know you do four or five missions and you, you get five more abilities and they grouped them logically so like the first unlock i got was a unlock of five dps abilities as a mage and then after that i got an unlock of five crowd control abilities and then five cooldowns so you know your cone of cold and your um your ice block and stuff like that and then you start to unlock the your tiers they switched from I don't know if Pandaria, they had this, but at least in, I don't know when they made this change, but they ditched the whole talent system. Um, I think that was in, um, I can't remember if it was Cataclysm or 
Pandaria. I'm not sure. Okay. It was somewhere around there, but yeah, they redid all the talents. Yeah, well, and they got rid of the talent system. Like, you don't earn a point for every level. You just, every, like, five levels or something like that, you get to, or maybe even more, every five to ten. Yeah. You get to pick a new ability. So, yeah, they they give you those interspersed. So, you, you know, you get your five, uh, five spells, and then the next mission they give you a tier of talent unlock. And so they do it so that you can kind of slowly learn your character as you're playing through this. And it's, a, it's an instance, it's a solo instance where you're playing through this jungle level all on your own. And uh, so it gives you a backstory of Draenor, and then it also gives you, you know, these abilities as you play through it. So it's kind of cool. It's fun. Um, and it helps you if you hadn't, like, if I would have just bumped my monk up, which I guess I should have, I would have at least had the chance to learn and figure out how to do stuff. So it's That's a good cool. way of doing it. Yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars is doing something like that for their new expansion, if I remember correctly. Oh, they're going to give you a high-end guy if you want it. Free bump, yeah, and I can't remember. I, I'm really curious if they're going to do that the same way or how they're going to do that. Because gear, uh, it's gear one is... free character, one free level sixty character, but the new cap is sixty five. Um, I assume mm-hmm. he gets. Um, I don't know how it works for this since I haven't jumped in with the new expansion quite yet. But in the past, um, there have been some times where as soon as you hit the max level, they would give you one free set of PvP gear and one free set of PvE gear. Mm-hmm. Um, they stopped doing the free sets, but they also started doing ways to make it really, really easy to get... You know, going through a certain quest line would give you basically a full set of serviceable gear. That's not a bad idea. But given that your character is starting from scratch at 60, I imagine they'll probably return to... You know, he's got to have something. Yeah. So I imagine there's going to be like something in your mailbox for that character that's like a full set of gear. Well, and that's the way... Um, so that's what they do with this. With WoW, is you start with a set of greens that's good enough to fight the things that you're in the instance with. But like I said, those first... First, that first quest line will say maybe five to six. Before you even start unlocking abilities, you're getting blue equipment. So you're jumping oh, okay. up to, to legendary equipment or whatever through the first quest line. And you completely, by the time you're done with the, the tutorial set of quests, you've got a full set of blues and you're ready to actually go hit the world. So you're about in you're in serviceable gear, like Dave said. So it's that's how they did it in WoW. I assume they'd probably do something similar in, in Star Wars, but yeah. So that was kinda nice. Um some of the other changes you like you have your own you start your own garrison, which is kinda cool. Um they definitely appeal to that, you know, the the get somebody to log in at least once a day crowd you know so many of the phone games have the well come back and you get this they added in a kind of neat mechanic where you have your own barracks and you start to gather followers through you know you can find followers at vendors you can find followers through quests um storyline things like that you start to get followers and you can send them off and star wars kind of did this too but you can send them off on missions and different followers do different missions better than other ones and you can unlock you know new gear or more experience uh things like that through doing missions so i thought that was kind of cool so you log in like i was doing that right at the beginning of our podcast i made sure to send off my guys on missions so i could check in you know an hour later and get them back get their rewards and then send them off again so you have digital slaves 
basically. <laughs> um, so I thought that was a cool, cool little thing for the the Twitch snack gamers that wouldn't just log in and do something real quick, and the meta gamers that just want to come in and mess around with something. You know, that you don't have enough time to do a full full game. It'd be neat if there was a phone app that you could do that from work because I would probably not get any work done. <laughs> Every half hour, to be checking to send my yeah. guys out. You know, so that's fun. Um, I like that they added in if you're good enough. And it really doesn't take a lot, but if you're decent enough at gold farming, you can actually pay for your game time with it, which is an interesting, different twist. I have no problem with it. I I haven't read enough on community boards to see if the community hates it, but for about 30,000 gold, you can buy a month worth of um, game time. Right. Yes, so. that is a new feature. It just came out a couple months ago. Now, of course, the problem with that is you have to buy at least one month of a subscription to start that To get farming. going, yeah. Yeah, you can't just get yeah. back in. And, and you still have to pay full price for the uh, expansions and everything. Right. Yeah, you can't buy the expansions, at least at this point. With the, I think they, yeah. they did something similar like that with uh, Wildstar, which was a MMO that was pretty hyped last year that came out. They did Hyped, it where you... But then it fell flat, it right? It did. I it fell flat. nothing about yeah. it after that. Just went free to play actually last week or so, but um, yeah, I did. But they they let you pay your sub through in-game currency. Mm-hmm. They also let you trade. Um, say you're a rich dude who can just buy multiple subs. You can buy multiple subs and then trade them to people in the game for, for currency gold. or yeah. you can do that. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can you? Okay. Now also, there's it goes both directions. I thought that was an interesting way of doing it, just because you yeah. hit. You hit all the notches there for getting people to keep subbing. So, Well, yeah. the best part about it, for me, I think that that has a lot to do with underpinning the gold farmers and stuff like that. Yeah. Because then people can literally pay Blizzard, hey, I'm going to buy this game time and you sell me the gold that way. Right, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's then true. You don't have Blizzard so into the gold farmer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> nope. Which... I mean, if gold farming has to be a thing, and we've clearly seen that it does, um, I would much rather the Blizzard be in charge of it than some random guy that's going to hack my account after he gives me the gold. Yeah, Yeah, some dude in Russia taking all your info. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, it's been, I'm glad that I went back. It's been fun. You know, I got a two-month card or whatever just to mess around with it and see if I wanted to keep going. So I think I probably will. It's, It's very enjoyable. Um... Yeah, I heard the the experience table returns to normal from the ninety to one hundred level. You know, you're spending a couple of hours a level or whatever, so that'll be good. Yeah, the I think the main reason that they do that is so that they can rush people through the lower yeah. levels and get them to the. Because who cares stuff. at this point about this? Especially yeah. most of us that are playing it have been playing it for years. I doubt that there's new subs out there. You know that oh, I want to explore all of Kalimdor and stuff like that. It's like nobody cares about that. <laughs> well, you certainly could do it. It just wouldn't get you any experience or items. And enough has changed that it is kind of interesting. I've been gone long enough that Cataclysm changed a bunch of stuff. Like there's, you know, the Defia's gang is gone from the the Westerlands or whatever in the human area, and it's been replaced by a bunch of uh refugees you know and stuff like that so things have changed so it's still kind of interesting to play through those areas but i don't think it's interesting enough for me to not want to rush through them you know oh yeah oh crap you just remind me of something i was going to mention on wasteland 2 but i don't want to mention it until we're done talking about 
WoW. So remind me after WoW. The only other thing I would throw out is I I was playing the other day and it got me to thinking. I think I mentioned this on Facebook the other day. Is it, it got me thinking about how a lot of first person shooter games, the PvP ones, have, have kind of stagnated in their game types. You know, there's attack and defend and control and you know ABC point control and things like that. There was a, WoW has a I don't know when it came out. I think it was maybe a Pandaria one. It's hard for me to say because I've missed two or three expansions. But um, again, PvP is a big thing for me in multiplayer or in uh, MMO games. So I've been playing a bunch of that. And one of the really cool game types was this moving. If you want to turn it into first-person shooter terms, it was it would be a mobile control point type thing. So if you think about the A, B, and C control points, but they're moving. And you've mm. got to stay with them, and it's really that's cool. a really so good idea. About the, yeah, the cool things that you could do with that in a first-person shooter. So to give you mm-hmm. just the idea of what it looks like in WoW, is there's a center point, and three mining carts spawn out of the center point, and they all go to three different. They it starts out of a center point, and it's like a wagon wagon wheel spokes, and they follow yeah. this kind of curvy track out to three other spots, and as soon as they get there. Whoever was controlling them at the end gets the resource dump because they it gets dumped into a you know a, the, your mining shaft or whatever. Oh, okay. I think they added that and, and with so Miss of Pandaria. Yeah, I remember I reading it, about it, it, it but I haven't feel. played that game that version yet. It's fun because you gotta stay with the cart the whole way because if somebody takes it right at the end, they're gonna get that point dump. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to defend it. So I started thinking about how cool it would be in a in a first person shooter like Battlefield or something where you've got an injured person, you've got to walk back to your base or something like that. And you know, then you've got this mobile firefight that's moving across this battlefield instead of just here's a hard point, defend it, you know? Or you've got yeah. an injured troop transport that's gotta get back somewhere, you know. Yep. Those are real simple concepts, but you could do neat things with the yeah. mobile Attack and defense sort of thing. I was just thinking for Battlefield, one of the biggest things for Battlefield that happens that I see is, uh, because Conquest is probably their most popular mode. Rush is pretty Mm -hmm. stinking popular. And I I love Rush. That's probably my favorite. Now, Conquest used to be my favorite, but the firefights you have in Rush are just amazing. But anyway, having a mode like that, one of the things that happens in Battlefield is you do the same thing because it works. So, Alpha Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, you know. So, when we spawn in, if we're on, depending on what side we're on, go to Bravo. We know that at Bravo, we have this defensive position. We know people come from this way, blah, blah. And so you end up doing the same thing repetitively every match because, I mean, there's things that happen dynamically because that's just how combat is. But but you always have the same strategy. But with a moving target and something yeah. that moved it, it, first of all, you wouldn't be stuck seeing the same part of the map over and over because you can have that happen right. in games. You would be moving well, and you, constantly having to experience the map in different ways, and the firefight would just be constantly moving multiple places. around it. And, yep. yeah, and you could have a pure one like that, where you do have to constantly attack the map in different ways. Or you could even have, you talking about this made me think about it, you could have a hybrid where, you know, it was it Rush, where different parts of the map opened up? So you yeah. could have an attack and defend in one part where, okay, so the attackers blew up my spot, and you get that message that says, okay, now you have to fall back to the to the next point. Well, um, instead of just falling back, maybe you have to defend something falling back. Like you have a mobile command center that you have to yeah. 
defend as you back up. And if you defend it, you get some bonus tickets back. Yep. Or if they blow it up, you lose a bunch more tickets, you know, something like you that. You can even have the attackers have something like a bomb defusal robot that they have to protect to get to the objective, right, yeah. too. Because they give them a bonus speed for arming or something. I don't know, but yeah, that's true. I mean, you've they're just roll your roll your nuke from one site to another. You know, if you want to yeah. blow stuff up, you know, yeah. Because that, that's That'd one thing cool. with with first person shooters is combat typically isn't dynamic enough, and that's why I love Battlefield because because of its sandboxy battle uh, multiplayer, you end up experiencing things that are just amazing every time you play. But yeah. most of the time, it's just it's a static experience. It's not. Um, and actually, thinking about it now, <laughs> um, Obliteration was a new mode they added to Battlefield 4, and nobody plays it. Like, the servers are almost always dead for it, but that's kind of... What they do is they have a single bomb on the map, but it's a tug-of-war. So oh. um, so you can you have three objectives on each side of the map for each team, and the one team has to deliver it to blow up those objectives, but they can pick up the same bomb and deliver it to your base to blow it up. And so it creates this tug-of-war thing, and the firefights move throughout the whole map. So you see places and get in firefights in places that you normally wouldn't otherwise. And so it's kind of the same thing. Like, it just having that kind of uh, uh, objective would be really cool. And yeah, I like that idea for WoW 2. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my big game that I've been playing this week. I don't think that there's. I was trying to. There was something else that I've been playing, but I really off the head, top of my head, I don't remember what it was. The Titanfall. Uh, I see you getting achievements in that. <laughs> no, that's my son playing Titanfall. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, he's gotten my guy all the way up to fifty now. So which is Dang. Kind of cool because I haven't played Titanfall in forever. But that was on the. Uh, it's another one of those that's the on the free. E vault. So, yeah. yeah. Or it was either free or on the vault. It was one or yeah. the other. Yeah. Yeah, the vault. It went on. Yeah. Which, again, the vault, I don't know why we don't all have oh, the dude. vault. I mean, every game company Such... should have this for their old library. Come on. Exactly. It's And $5 a month, and you get access to all those games. I mean, or $30 I, a year if you want to yeah. just pay it all up Holy front. Yeah, $30 Come a year. On. That's amazing. And you get free, yeah. I mean, you get access to Dragon Age. Came out last fall. Dragon it's already Age. in the vault. Battlefield Hardline. $30. Yeah, Battlefield Hardline just hit, just hit last week. And that came out in March. I yeah, mean, that's they're adding games. Game. Yeah, they're adding games so soon to that, and it's amazing. I, like, I'm guessing Battlefront will be on there by next summer. But oh, that's yeah. kind of a bigger hit, but still, it almost they have seems Battlefield like, Four on there. I mean, it's just yeah. It almost seems like with Hardline, they waited until their first expansion came out, and then they're like, okay, we'll throw that in the vault. But if you want to start doing expansions, here's you know, yeah, you're gonna have to pay us money again. So. Well, that's premium a good something. way to do it too. It, it is kind of like what WoW does with their their free trial, mm-hmm. but WoW doesn't really go far enough. Level twenty is hardly anything at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, but it's, it's just the idea is you. you get a taste for the game and then you're like all right this is pretty fun and then you go and buy the full game yeah yeah i i've been really blown away with it, it it's last year's sports games which i'm a diehard madden guy but madden doesn't change enough from year to year yeah, for me to care never. that i'm playing last year's instead of this year's yep. and plus with fifa they didn't even go that long fifa went maybe in the last year's madden it wasn't a full year it's not like yeah this year's madden dropped and then they added last year's madden last year's madden like seven months or something like that yeah exactly so yeah ea access is very definitely worth it Um, plus you get the other added bonus for that is um you get two weeks early access to games so like battlefront 
Yep. Um, if you have it, we'll be able to play that for two weeks before it comes out for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. Which is Yeah. Or, so, is it uh, two weeks or is it a certain time limit within those two weeks? I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, if it's like limited, so it's two weeks early, but you only get ten hours or something. Yeah, I can't remember which, but but if sure. you don't buy a game, you still get. Oh, that's what it is. If you pre-order it, you get early access. It's a week yep. early access. If you don't pre-order it and you just want to try it, it is ten hours. Okay, but that's with right. any game in the EA library. So like when wow. PGA Roy Roy McCorys or whatever, however you pronounce his name, <laughs> PGA Tour came out. McElroy. It, yeah, um, I was able to play it and decide that I didn't want to play it or buy it. <laughs> but, um, but they let you try any game that EA releases, so you can yeah. try them and and decide, or you can pre-order and get early access. That's how it was. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's just it's... A, it is a good deal, and I'm I'm really surprised more people don't. I actually wasn't really too interested in it, but then once the vault started growing, I was like, dude, it's a no-brainer now. Yeah, because the first announcement was like, it's just going to be last year's sports titles. Yeah. And by saying it as last year's sports titles, you make it, it makes it sound like they're going to wait until 2016 comes out, and then you can have 2015. But with it being like six months after the release, and yep. then throwing in games like Dragon Age and crap like that, you know, yeah. Hardline, and I started, oh, that's the other one. Okay, yeah. Hardline is the other game I've been playing this oh, week. Oh, okay. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's a good game. A cool game. I haven't even played the multiplayer yet. The single player storyline is actually pretty fun. Yep. I like good that departure. They split it up into kind of cheesy TV show style. Yeah. And yeah, that's a blast. And I like that you can arrest everyone. You don't have yeah. to shoot everybody up, and you get more bonuses for arresting people. And yep. every yeah. mission can be stealth unless they force. Like there's, I think there's two missions where at the end or in the middle they force combat on you. Okay. Um. But uh. But if you play it right, yeah, you don't have to. It seems to have some sort of crossover with. I have like a billion bags from Battlefield Four. You know those the the cases that you could unlock in multiplayer. Oh yeah. Yeah. That I never opened. I got bored. Like I don't know why, but I had a whole bunch of them. Um. I had like nine or ten, and I was like, ah, I don't feel like opening those. I noticed <laughs> I have that same number, nine or ten cases in hardline that I can open. So I don't know if they just pushed them forward or what. But oh, interesting. I don't. I don't think they did. But uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, I, there was a couple guess... of bonus cases because, they, and those, but those were specially marked. Like, oh, you played Battlefield Four, so here's a special case. Oh, okay. Huh. And oh, you played, you know, something real old like um, Bad Company. Here's a case. Um, oh. um, but might know. depend on the version they have on EA Access too, because yeah, if it's like the deluxe version, I think it comes with it came with Maybe cases. Yeah. You got two a week for the first five weeks that the game was out, so, so it it yeah. might just drop all those at once now that it's been out for. So it's definitely one of those cases where you know EA is usually out with you know double fisting your money right out of your wallet mm-hmm. but it's it's really not one of those cases this time i i've been yeah. pretty impressed i think ea has got a bad rep because before activision was the big dog they were very bad <laughs> and yeah. but ea has really tried to make new ips they've really tried to make their the ips that they already had better and i yeah. i personally every ea game that i've purchased in the last few years, I haven't been disappointed by any of them except yeah, for Need for yeah. Speed. That's the only series that. But other than Speed that, it's been awful for years. Yeah, it has. I'm I'm not even interested in the new one unless the trial version 
the EA Access has surprises me, but yeah, I think they um, have that. So yeah, but yeah. So I mean, EA EA is I think they are doing better, but but it is but people forget um, and gamers too all over the place. We forget that gaming for them is a business. I mean, there right. is business practices that are smart and they know how to do it. And I think a lot of people just um, jump on microtransactions right away just because they see the word microtransaction or DLC and stuff like that. But these people need to get paid. It's just like what we yeah. talked about in the first in the first podcast. There needs to be substance behind that money. It can't just yeah. be something that they throw at us and expect us to pay. But and I'd rather have a hybrid system like that instead of continuing because sixty dollars is a, I I I mean, I'm a professional software engineer. I make decent money. Sixty dollars is still really pushing it when it comes to my wallet. I don't think I could start paying seventy dollars for games. Yeah. So having microtransactions in there, you know, it's yeah, sixty dollars is really the limit. You know, it's, but having microtransactions in there, yeah, okay, I spent sixty dollars, but maybe three months from now I'll pay five dollars for like uh, Evolve is one. You know, just the other day, so I had bought the season one pass, but I didn't buy the second season. Uh-huh. But I bought like two or three of the characters now, so you know. Yeah, because you can pick and choose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, microtransactions or Guild Wars 2 is an amazing game that's a hybrid funded. You know, you yep. you pay 60 bucks for the full game, but you can do some in-game purchases if you want. But you don't have to. Yep. Exactly. You can get that and, full game experience with never sp- spending a dollar. Yep. And that's, and the, that's, smart, amazing that's the smart way to do it is yeah. give us the yeah. options. Don't force it down our throat and make sure it's yep. worthwhile. And Guild Wars 2 must be working out because they're still doing expansions. Oh, yeah, the it's new expansion like coming out it. today or tomorrow, the Heart yeah. of Thrones. Or yeah. Throne oh, of Hearts. Wow. Um, that's a game I would love to see come to console because it would work very well it on would, console. Because it's not a skill. It's skill. It uses a lot of skills, but it doesn't use more than... It's not like WoW or Star yep. Wars where you've got to have 20 hotkeys on the mm, screen. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, seven or eight, and you're good to go. Still, maybe more than the controller can handle, but it's right at the edge. Because Dragon Age, you could do about eight. Yeah, you just switch, swap yeah. the bar or whatever. Yeah, and, and it had, from when I played, because that's one of the only MMOs. Because there's Star Wars, Guild Wars 2, ESO are the only MMOs where I've hit max level. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I loved every second of Guild Wars 2. And yeah, it didn't have a ridiculous grind. You could get didn't. there. And... Yeah, and you had interesting quests. The yeah. um, the even the collectible stuff, like finding the uh, I can't even remember what it was that you would look. Oh for. yeah, that was fun. Well, and, um, but they had like parkour puzzles for it, and it was a blast to do and figure out because they're in crazy places. Yeah, and well, to it was find vantage them. points and stuff like that. Oh yeah, vantage points. Puzzles. Yeah, yep, that's right. And just and they incorporated that into each zone. So each yes. remember each zone had a list of like if you one hundred percented a zone, you got a new treasure chest and it had yep. something cool in it. Like yeah, gear, and there is reason behind doing it exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah, it just one hundred percent. You got a piece of gear or whatever. Yeah, yep. It was a great. It was a great. I've been hoping to hear um, ever since um, I saw something about. Uh, the success of ESO and the success of Neverwinter. They're talking about how that's surprised a lot of developers. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting to hear about more people saying, you know, check this out. We're coming to console. Yeah, they really should. Because I think, because <laughs> Guild Wars 2 is a perfect example. That that would do amazing. Heroes I've already talked about on here, but yeah. Marvel's Heroes. And I think after reading an article a couple weeks ago, 
Um, I think it is coming because they're added yeah. control. They're adding controller support next month and, yeah. for the PC version. And, and they didn't flat out say no. There's yeah, one of those. And he oh, said, say. he said it would be dumb to discount a whole. Uh, I can't remember the word he used, demographic or something like right. that. Um, well, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I mean, you guys remember Diablo three consoles saved that game. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It was bombing yeah. on PC, and they took it to console, and then it exploded again. Now it's the second most purchased game in history. Oh, that game is so much fun. That's another one that I sit and play with my boy a lot. And that's that's so yeah. much fun. Yeah. And it's another one that you can, you know, we talked about this, I think, the first week, is there's no more, there's so few couch games left out there that you can exactly. sit with somebody yeah. in person and play. I can sit with my son and go kill demons and whatever yep. right on the couch. <laughs> dude, it's a blast. you should look at uh, getting Divinity, dude. It has couch co-op coming that's out true. next week. Yeah. yeah. Divinity is pretty cool. I like Divinity. I've played the the other ones because this is what the yeah. third or something. I can't remember. Yeah, um, how many? I think it is the third. But um, but okay, it's, that's good to know. Actually, I'll bring it up. I'll just bring it up since we brought it up. Uh, Divinity comes out the same day as Halo Five, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's it's a good enough game though that if you like Diablo type games and you like turn-based combat, it's going to be great. I, me and Dave played it on steam for a little bit. Um, but that was around the time I was moving and changing jobs and he was, I can't remember what was happening with him with school or something, but so we didn't get to play it too much, but I loved what I played of it. So I'm really excited to get into that. Me and my brother are getting it. Um, yeah. and okay. that, um but yeah, so divinity, divinity does do couch and online co-op nice. two-player two-player max that comes out on tuesday and then halo 5 obviously that's a huge one comes out on <laughs> tuesday as well or uh yeah right is that this tuesday already holy crap yeah tuesday um and i don't have to bring talk about that because we all know uh four-player co-op it's gonna just be amazing the the big thing for halo 5 and i can't remember maybe we already talked about it in another one but i wrote it down because it's next week um, is Warzone is their huge new mode. They're doing arena mode, which is more eSport focused. Yeah, we've talked about Warzone's in the arena, yeah. Okay, yep. did we? Okay, so yeah. Warzone is their new 24-player. Yeah. So that's the big thing to look forward to. And then this Friday, which is a freaking weird release day for Assassin's Creed, but Assassin's Creed comes out on Friday. Huh. Um, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I was hoping to get a week behind it before Halo came out, because I know that once Halo comes out, that's, that's how far much. that game's fallen. That used to be one of my favorites, and I didn't even realize it was coming out on Friday. Yeah, yeah. See, I uh, Assassin's Creed, and I think we talked about this before too. Is that I until they disappoint me completely, yeah. I'll keep getting them because oh, I yeah, just I'll love that kind of game. And Unity, even though I didn't run into a lot of the technical issues that I saw people in videos on YouTube and other stuff, um, I did have some like progression issues and stuff that I had to re reload. But um, but for me, I liked the gameplay of Unity the best out of any Assassin's Creed. Well, and I Stor- loved the the co op was amazing. I was sad yeah. to see they dropped that. I mean, I'm glad that they're yeah. focusing on what whatever it is that they feel they need to. But yeah, I that was my favorite part of Unity. Is it the was, was, and it was amazing. done really well as inside the co op missions the yeah. way you could do it because it was completely free. It, the only thing is, I wish it would have done more co op. Uh, oriented activities on the open world side of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised. The first time we saw Assassin's Creed um, Syndicate, we saw the brother and sister. 
And I instantly thought, oh, sweet. Instead of doing co-op oh. mode, they're doing co-op for the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. And But then it came out that, no, it's not co-op. And I'm really, I would really like to know why they decided not to do that. Because characters, of course, um, ETA did that with three characters. And it turned out really cool how they did that. So who knows if yeah. Assassin's Creed will have their, that own, was super cool. their own twist. Yeah. But, but yeah, so Assassin's Creed comes out on Friday. I'm really pumped for that. Um, if anything, just because I really like Assassin's Creed. Nice. So the but, other uh, new release that came out uh, was the Minecraft oh, uh, story, story mode, mode oh. this week. Have uh-huh. did any of you guys play that yet? Or I did not. Oh, mm-mm. okay. I'm waiting I until the full. I watched a couple Twitch streams of it, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to be my kind of game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just because it's a adventure, the adventure like dialogue based game or. That's basically what it is. Instead of me being able to go and experience the story, I'm basically watching the story, and I get a few. You get a few uh, choices to make. Yeah, that's how influence the story, but that's not engaging enough for me. Yeah, that's how. That's like Telltale's niche. That's how they do all their games. Is kind of that same. That's what I heard. I understand from the comments and things, but. Um, yeah, I was excited about it when I first saw it, but now after having seen some streams, it doesn't look like it's my kind of thing. Oh, that's right. You reminded me again what I was going to say about Wasteland 2. So, um, Wasteland 2... Oh, were you done, Matt, with what you were saying about that? Yeah, unless you guys wanted to say more about Minecraft. I just We mm-hmm. talked about that last week, and, and it came out, and it seems like it's not very good. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, for Wasteland 2, one of the cool things that I really like, too is decisions and how it changes the game. And um, just to give an example, is there's a mission where these monks, um, they... I wish I could remember the name of the monks because it's pretty funny. Um, but uh, it's something, something of the mushroom cloud. I can't remember uh, what they call themselves. But they worship... The mushroom cloud sounds pretty funny. Yeah, they worship... Uh, nuke that they found in this bunker that they took over after the apocalypse, and oh, they okay. use it makes sense now. Yeah, and they <laughs> use the nuke to control this canyon. They call it Canyon of the Titan, and they call the nuke the Titan. That's the god. The servants and of the mushroom cloud. Servants of the mushroom cloud. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And so the servants of the mushroom cloud have this agreement with people. Um, it's kind of unfair because you don't know it unless it's by word of mouth. But when you enter the canyon, you have to go pay a tribute the servants of the mushroom cloud at the temple of the titan and then you get a bodyguard with you where if any raiders or anybody tries to mess with you they blow themselves up and kill the <laughs> kill the offending party but wow. if you have a monk with you and the, if you have a monk with you anything goes so the only purpose of the monks is to keep people from um in their mind is to keep people from over or um man, what's the right word so going into chaos so what the idea is, if if you have a monk that's going to suicide and you have a monk that's going to suicide, you're going to leave each other alone. And if you have a monk that's going to suicide, then nobody's going to want to rob you because you'll get blown up. And they have like they have like these dirty bombs strapped to their chest. That's how they do it. But anyway, so it's kind of interesting. The, the game explains it way better than I am, but it's kind of a cool like lore behind it. So and that's how the game is. Like everything has story, and it's just awesome. But um, very cool. So you're you're. Playing with the servants of the mushroom cloud, you get into the canyon. It's called the Titan Canyon, and you find out about this tribute, but you don't have a monk with you for the first half of the canyon, so you have to defend yourself. And people attack you, and 
um, you run into checkpoints and they attack you because you don't have a monk. Well, you get to the monk thing and they're pissed at you because you've been killing monks and um, <laughs> other people the whole time, but you didn't have a troop, but you didn't have a monk with you because you didn't pay tribute. It's like a, it's like a bad, chicken you know, egg thing. Yeah, yeah, chicken and I egg thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think they set it up that way on purpose get people to pay tribute because that's how they survive by getting money or whatever so what they require for tribute is a service and so if you're like a doctor they require medical supplies or whatever and they got one of the best hospitals in the wasteland um and then if you're like us in our case since we're mercenaries not mercenaries but we're rangers they want us to acquire this goop this radioactive goop to make their dirty bombs for their suicide bombers and nice. stuff like that. Well, so then you get done with that, and then the leader of the monks tell you, well, we have this monk that went rogue. He wanted to blow up Titan um, just to teach the Wasteland a lesson, and we kicked him out because we didn't want to um, do that. You know, that's obviously wouldn't be good for business. And so we need you to hunt him down because he found another silo and another god. And it's like, oh, crap, you know. So he gives you this mission to go find him and stuff like that. So anyway, you find this place and you find out that this monk wasn't a um, crazy monk. He actually wanted to disarm all the nukes. Mm. And, um, ah. and you find out that the nuke, the Titan nuke is actually a fake. They use that as um, it's more of like a, uh, um, they're bluffing everybody to keep things in order. Sure. And so he gives you a uh, choice, and there's three choices you can make. And most of the choices, there's usually three or more choices you can make. So, and it actually changes things. And that's where I'm getting to is this change that happens. Um, and so uh, you talk to him, and he tells you that, you know, that was a fake, and you are here trying to dismantle this nuke, but he doesn't have the skill. So he's just been there for all these years protecting it from the other monks, getting it to, you know, have this, this superpower. And so he tells you, I'm not skilled enough. I can't fight you to stop you. So you have to decide what you want to do with it. So you can either disarm the nuke. If you have somebody skilled enough in uh, computer science, you can disarm the nuke. Um, or demolition, sorry, not computer science. Demolitions, you can disarm it. Uh, you can send it to the monks um, at the, mush the servants of the mushroom cloud. And um, so they have a real nuke to do business. Or you can send it to your ranger citadel which I never had that third option show up. I don't know what I had to do to get that option. I'm guessing I would have to go to the Citadel first, talk to our leader and let them know that there's a nuke. And then it'd probably say, well, send it to us. But, um, and so you have those three options. Well, I chose the option of disarming the nuke. I, I didn't want that anywhere, you know, for anybody. And uh, so I disarmed it. And then I got a call over the radio and the leader of the mushroom cloud was saying stuff to me. And all of a sudden, Everybody you could hear in the background, people freaking out, and they pretty much lost their god. They realized their god isn't uh, that he isn't infallible or whatever the right word is. Uh, is and so, is a fake. yeah, as a fake, and you hear him <laughs> say, "There is no god," and then it goes to static, and you're just like, "Wow, that's crazy!" And you know, like, um, hopefully, I just uh, down a whole civilization. Yeah, yeah. For me. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, "Well, that's cool. Maybe people will realize, you know, that they should do things different." Oh, there's another faction fighting for. The, the canny of the titan they're called the desert something or other so they're like a merc faction but they were they came across as trying to be good but then you run into people that had experiences with them where they're not really that good and so um so then i went back to the tight the canyon to see what, what was going on and all hell broke loose 
and the monks were blowing themselves up and like um, <laughs> the military faction or the Merc faction that was um, trying to take the power from the monks, they were killing everybody that um, weren't them and I had to kill them. So pretty much everybody was dead. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and it was just complete chaos. So then that whole area became an inhabitable, inhab- whatever. I can't think of the word. I can't Uninhabitable. Say it. Uninhabitable, yes, yeah. Uninhabitable. Um, and uh and so it ended up benefiting no one because of the decision I made. And there's been multiple decisions that I made in the game that um, are pretty cool where you just don't realize you're going to change something that drastically until you do it. And actually, if I, I never had to go back to the canyon, so I would have never even known that happened unless I went back. And I just thought that was a really cool part of Wasteland 2 is that the decisions matter and they actually change things where some games, they hide it. Like, they'll give you decisions, but really the game only has one outcome. They just make the dialogue fit the decision you made, you know? So Yeah, I really like I, I like when your choices actually affect the world. Yep. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. So just a cool story for Wasteland 2 I want nice. to share. Very cool. That does sound pretty interesting. I'm sorry, but we don't do the sharing of cool stories here. Don't do it again. No! <laughs> <laughs> you have been warned. Yeah. <laughs> Next time will be a swift castration. Ooh. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> well then. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, uh, last night, uh, my roommate and I went to see The Martian. Oh, cool. And Matt, did you say you went to see that? Yes, I did go and see The yeah. Martian. And I thought it was phenomenal. Holy crap. Um. In uh, the Castaway, Tom Hanks had his volleyball to help, you know, mm-hmm. push push his seeing what he was going through and stuff along. And in in the Martian, they use like a uh, video journal update system to kind of do the same thing for Matt Damon. But Matt Damon just did amazing. I would be surprised if he wasn't up for an Academy after um, for this year for that. But uh, nice. but it was humorous. It had feeling in it um it had action it had great suspense yeah the the visuals were just freaking amazing um and it was a smart movie like it wasn't uh it didn't feel like they were dumbing anything down for the audience they you know they were smart dialogue and stuff and i'm i'm not a astronaut or anything so i don't know like if they made up terminology or anything but it just seemed like you know everything made sense and yes that's the part that i wanted to point out as well it really feels like this could be happening. They they yeah. come at it with a very scientific angle, and they make it feel like, you know, yes, in a couple of years, we could send somebody to Mars, and they could actually be experiencing this. Yep. Well, didn't uh, NPR or The New Yorker, somebody put out a very disappointing article <laughs> about how many people actually thought that this was a this was a, a movie based on real life? A true story. I was going to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, oh, it's something like... Forty percent of the people polled, if I'm remembering the number yeah, right, I think it was, it was either forty or number. yeah, forty percent thought that it was based on a true story. Well, I, on the one hand, tip of the hat to the director right. and to the production crew because yeah. that's amazing. On the other <laughs> hand, what on earth are these people? I don't know. I don't even get it. How could that not be like the biggest news ever? Having that yeah, happen and a person stranded on Mars. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. right? 
Come on, people. But it, well, it, no yeah. one mentioned it on Facebook, but it could have happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the yeah. the movie that it kind of reminded me of, in fact, was Apollo 13, you know, with Tom yes. Hanks and all of them. Uh, and that was based on a true story. And so I felt that this was like a an extension of that, you know, with, with a fictitious story, of course. But they still made you feel those same emotions, and you're like, yeah. you know, wow, what would I do if I was yep. stranded on Mars? I'd curl up and die. Yeah, there's nice. a part. <laughs> there's a part in there where something happened, and I was just like, you know what? I'd take off my hel- helmet and walk out the door. That's what I'd do because it was so hopeless at that point that it just didn't seem like anything good can, could happen after that. Yeah. But, yeah. but they just well, did a phenomenal like, job. Uh, what is he? He's like, I don't have enough food to to last nearly as long. But here's the thing, I'm a biologist. <laughs> yeah, a botanist. He's like, I'm a, a botanist. botanist. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's what a else botanist. Does he, do? but... he he uh, goes on. Uh, my favorite line from the whole thing, and I, I'm not going to do it justice, but um, he goes on this uh, probably five minute explanation of how he, because of the uh, space or the Mars habitat is U.S. soil. The Martian surface cannot be claimed by any country because it's not on Earth, and there's some law, some Geneva Convention thing, or something like that. Maritime law. And he's yeah. going to yeah. So maritime law is in effect, and he's going to take U.S. property across that from he international. Is effectively, a yeah. pirate. Yep. And he is out in space, so he is a space pirate. <laughs> you have his to last... see the movie to get the joke yeah. delivered correctly, but it, it was a very good, very yep. good series. They had a lot of humorous, lines. yeah, humorous lines like that, and and uh, just things that happen that are funny that would actually be disastrous, but because you're watching it, it's funny, and yeah, it was just it was a good movie, man. I I walked out of the theater just a huge smile on my face. I loved it. Awesome. Um, uh, Jeff Daniels does a really good job too. I thought he he was the guy that had to hold everything together um, because obviously emotions are all over the place when you find out sure. somebody who you thought was dead was alive and they're that far away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He ends up so, almost being the villain of the movie. He does. Actually. He comes across as the villain. And I'm but... surprised at the end, honestly, that they're not calling for his job because he fires some guy uh, during for something about it and I'm surprised that nobody is calling for his job after he uh after some of the mistakes he made in the thing, you know. Yeah, he comes across as a villain but but at, at the same time in a in a place like NASA, you would hope that somebody with a practical or logical or whatever you want to say pragmatic pragmatic head would be running things like that yeah. because if you let emotion um take over too much of that, then you would just have disaster after disaster, you know? But, and actually the part where they let emotion, well, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but, but there are, it just, yeah, there's so many, it was just a good way of doing a movie. And really Scott, man, he's been an off and on director for me. And I was almost, almost lost hope in him ever doing anything really good again. Yeah. And I wasn't too thrilled with holy Prometheus. Yeah. Prometheus just, I lost all faith because Prometheus was bad. It was just bad. And if he would it do Prometheus, yeah, if he would do Prometheus two like he did The Martian, then it would be amazing. 
like have it come at it from that kind of angle. Like use science behind how you're going to do things, and mm-hmm. it could be cool. It could be really cool. But um, but yeah, Prometheus was terrible. So I I was really scared with Ridley Scott, um, and it was just phenomenal. I mean, amazing movie. I just I agree anyway. with Dan. It's it's worth seeing. I went and saw it at uh you know for the five dollars of course at our mm. low, at our on our cheap night. But um, it's worth seeing in the theaters. Uh, the other movie that I saw this week as well was Pan. That is not worth seeing. <laughs> I've heard that. From I've a heard lot that of it was really now. bad. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a pretty bad movie. My son liked it, but he's eight. Yeah. <laughs> I would you... even honestly recommend taking an eight-year-old to it after having seen it because, I mean, there's actually quite a bit of violence, uh, some executions. And you uh, there's some almost topless mermaids. Nice. I mean, they are topless, but their hair covers all of their parts the whole time. Oh, um, damn. Bitch. And the acting, unfortunately, was was really bad. Who directed I didn't that? Care for, I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. Because I was just going to say, because I, I remember seeing the director's name, and I could probably look it up right now and, and remember. And maybe I'm. All oh, right, okay. Mm. Maybe it's not what I was thinking of then. But. Uh, but it just shows how much a director can influence a film. And I think we've talked about that before too with Star Wars, but, um, but seriously, a director can make all the difference. Cause I was just going to say, I've heard that with the cast that they had, people were expecting it to be really good, but just ended up, nobody, you know, stood out. So yeah, directors have so much more power than I don't know. Give credit for. I it, what there were not very good performances. Rooney Mara, I mean, she's done some great stuff before, and I've liked other movies. I didn't like her as Tiger Lily. Um, the Peter Pan kid, I don't think. He, I think he was a no name. Yeah, I think um, so. He wasn't yeah, Levi bad, Miller. but the story wasn't there to to lift him up. I didn't like whoever they got to do James Hook either. His character was pretty pretty flat, if you ask me. Mm. And then, unfortunately, Hugh Jackman, his character was bad, too. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. Oh, and they also, it also features literally the worst rendition of Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana that I've ever heard. Oh, <laughs> no. no! There's no I reason to destroy a beautiful song like that. I believe that they did something like that. It was awful. Did they have, yeah, like, kids sing bad. it or something, or... What they well, do. They probably it's basically it's, it's in the Muppet movie. We could do a good alternate <laughs> version too. What it is is it's Blackbeard's pirate crew basically chanting it. It's some <laughs> kind of song, uh, chant song. Oh, it's that's really disappointing. They explain how they knew Nirvana was Nirvana that amazing that it traveled through time backwards through time, time to yeah. World War Two era England into Neverland. No, they never explained that. (laughs) As a huge Nirvana fan, I was almost offended by how awful it was. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Have you watched it? So have you watched the documentary that just came out on HBO, what, a couple months ago? No, sadly, I don't have HBO. Yes, I did. It's amazing. Did you know It it was? I loved it. I posted it on Geek and it actually after I watched it because I was like, you got to watch this. Every second of it was just was gold. It was yep. so good. And I loved the scenes where they um, 
Like it's Trent Reznor's diaries, and it's yeah. most of the scenes where it's, it's you mean, really like his intense thoughts. They they animated it. It was like a cartoon. Yeah. You he mean Kurt Cobain's? Oh right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I I'm getting really sleepy. Trent Reznor is no a uh, nine inch nail. Yeah. Right? No, I understand. No, that. I, I, I knew who he tired. meant, but I yeah. just wanted to say that for okay, people that were listening. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. the animated parts were amazing. The animated yeah. parts were so cool. That was such a neat choice to do that. And, yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's, it's the best way to do it. If you don't have actual footage for a documentary, that's the best way to take notes from an actual journal and then animate that. It just makes it way yeah. more interesting. Yeah. That was but, so good. Matt, if you haven't, you, know, you should definitely go find a way of watching this. Yeah. Content. If you're a Nirvana fan. $15 for one month just so you can go watch this. Cause I think it's... HBO is like half price right now or something like that. It's Actually, well, you, the, could go, you, you could go, you could do HBO Go. Yeah, yeah exactly. HBO Go. It's whatever. I, I can't remember what the it, subscription is, but. It would oh. be totally worth whatever the subscription is. Just but now that they're this. doing that, it might even be 30 days free. I can't remember. But. When you figure, I mean, what renting a movie anymore is six, seven dollars, anyways. So. Yeah. You yeah rent- if you're a Nirvana fan, you got to watch. It. And I, what's the name this. of it, Sean? The documentary. Oh, uh, heck, heck, heck! Something with heck. I don't find heck, heck, heck in here. <laughs> um, um. No, something montage of heck. Yeah, there you go. Montage of heck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. I you love that. I, I consider myself a Nirvana, Kurt Cobain fan, like, huge one, because yeah. that's what got me into music. Yeah, um, same here. And so there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know about Kurt Cobain. So I just, it just amazed me, like, yeah. blown away. Yeah, very good. Um, I was, uh, I was disappointed they didn't have any interviews with um, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Being sleepy again. Yep. I yeah. uh, I'm surprised. Now, I, did they did they end with Dave Grohl on good terms though? Like the yes, the whole and okay. They, they talked to him. He said that he was approached by the guy, but he was on tour, and he actually sat down and did interviews with the documentarian. But it was after everything was in the can, so nothing. Oh. He said it was too late to really get anything in there. That'd be a good DVD add on. So, yeah, something. that would be a good add on. But yeah, so that was a little disappointing. That would have been cool. They did an interview with the, uh, and I apologize, the the other guy from Nirvana. Um, but they did a lot of his interviews, and those were really good too. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it was really good. And hey, if you're paying for a month of that, HBO's had some really good documentaries lately because that every was really Monday. Good. Yeah. And. Um, the one that they just had right before that was really good. The uh, about Scientology. Yes. Uh, yeah. Going going clear. Yep. Going clear. That really actually good. won a uh, uh, Emmy or whatever, right? Yeah, it did it. I could yeah. see that because it was it was amazing. Dude, the things that they really got good. some of these people to do is nuts. Now I watched that a little bit from the the aspect of as Mormons. People that leave our church like to say really crazy shit about our church. Yeah. That's yeah. borderline true at best. It's taken out of context. Wait, and yeah. It might just be flat out lies. So some of these people are all people that have left on really bad terms with Scientology. So I trust them, but at the same time, I have that little eye of skepticism. Like people say these things about my church, and it's not true. So yeah. But it, at the same time, it's a good, really good show. Yeah. You do have to take it for that because people because Scientology does have that stigma on it, so it can be it could be biased. 
But right. as far as the documentary goes, the way that they produced it and yeah, um, show things and and Old talk about it, it is really yeah. well done. Yeah, yeah. That's another one. If you get if you get a month of HBO, watch that one too. Yeah, they advice. do every. Watch I will be getting all the a, time. a month of HBO, but thank you for the advice. <laughs> yeah, um, you could probably find it. I bet on yeah. other places, but uh, uh, every Monday they do documentaries on HBO. It's their documentary night, and and every once in a while they do their own produced ones, which are always the best ones. But well, Vice is amazing. If you don't Vice, watch Vice, you are doing yeah. something wrong with your life. <laughs> the thing I love about HBO for their news programs or update programs, whatever they're called, I don't know what they're called now with a lot of them, but um, uh, Vice is just amazing, and they touch on subjects that are are uh, that you don't even know is a problem. Yeah, our normal media will never so talk much about. More afraid of the world around yeah. me because of Vice. Yep. You become so much more aware know of that real Russia problems. Was starting a nuclear war over who gets to claim the north pole yeah yeah just stuff like that it's just amazing what they what they point out and show and it's so like non-mainstream that you just never never hear about that it just amazes you and it makes you wonder like what the heck our politicians are doing because they obviously are ignorant to a lot of this stuff oh yeah and this chain but the good thing the thing that i love lately with hbo documentaries and john oliver um Last week tonight with John mm-hmm. Oliver, oh, that's they actually enact change. I mean, it's crazy. John Oliver's a couple of his shows have caused actual change, change either yeah. yeah through bills or through Congress or local politics to actually affect change, and it's just amazing. And the thing about HBO is they they don't need the the ratings to back them because right. they go by subscriptions, so they're able to talk about things that a lot of mainstream media just is touchy on because they they can't afford to lose advertisers or whatever the deal is with that. And so it's yeah. just, they're documentary yeah. shows. They're, they're, uh, what are those called? Like the new, like John Oliver tonight, what's that considered? Cause it's not necessarily a news program, but yeah, I don't know what you'd call that. You know, I'm sure there is a, a proper word for that, yeah. but an expose but, show or something like that. Yeah. You know? But between John Oliver last week tonight with John Oliver and vice and their documentaries that they produce. I mean, it, HBO is just a very, it's, very informative, yeah. can be very informative, other than just their amazing programming, TV programming. But. And I think, you know, you're talking about, it, it is expensive. I would not take that away from anybody, but um, I sat down and did the math the other day that if you have cable at all, you could realistically, and I think we talked about this during the first episode, for about $45, you could get HBO, Showtime, Hulu, and Netflix and be covered. And not Cut miss anything. Yeah. And not miss anything. I mean, yeah. yeah, you don't get the DVR, but, you know, other than that, you know, you're not really missing anything. And you've got some amazing, you've got access to amazing movie channels. You've got access to amazing original content from all four of those sources. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh. I, for $45, if that's, if I had a budget to spend on cable, which $45 is about basic cable anymore. Yeah, uh, it, that's that's how I would spend my forty five dollars. You know. Yep. Uh, the other documentary I was thinking of that was really good that acted change was uh, the Many Lives of Robert Durst. I think is what it was called. Um, and that was an HBO produced documentary. Is that about the the guy that murdered people? Yeah, his uh, I think two wives and then some, one of his best friends in California. And yeah, the, the super rich guy, right? Yep. Yeah. 
and they yeah. and he they caught wow, him in the documentary. They caught him in the documentary yeah. because yeah, he forgot to take off his mic. About that, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, and I watched it when it came out. So I was watching everything unfold on the documentary, and then seeing the news of everything unfold as it happened after the documentary aired. And I was just like, dude, this is amazing because yeah, just... he'd been acquitted or not even charged on two of the two or three of these murders. He had been he yep. skipped on all of them, and then he finally, by the end of the the documentary series, was like, "Yep, I did it." And... Yeah, he went into a bathroom after one hard. They did a really because they told him uh, in the documentary the the guy interviewing him was like, "I gotta hit him hard this time because it's our last time," you know, and blah blah. And so he was hitting him hard, hitting him hard, and and then. Um, they goes into the bathroom and he forgot to take off his mic, but they're still recording. And he was uh, in the bathroom and he just said, he's like, man, they got me. They got me. They know I killed them all or something like that. Wow. And, um, and it was just like, holy crap. Like you hear it and it just shocks you because it's like, what, what? And then it yeah. came out like, <laughs> uh, like a week after that, he was officially um, arrested. Or, yeah. yeah. And it was just, yeah, just amazing documentary. And it was interesting because they go step by step each murder, how they were able to, how he was able to get off of each murder, and uh, different things. And then they started finding things in his story. The documentary people started finding things in his story that didn't match up. And they found uh, one of his murder's sons who stood by Robert Durst the whole time. They found a letter for him or something that proved. Uh, that he wrote the suicide note for his friend and it just led to it. It led to all this stuff. I mean, it was just, it's excellent documentary. So that's another good one. I mean, I just, I love HBO. (laughs) Yeah. HBO does cool stuff. Yeah. And they also like, even their, um, their documentaries are amazing. Their news programs are amazing, but when they do their true life movies, like their true story movies, those just knock it out of the park every time. Uh, yeah. I mean, they just, I mean, if there's anything that's worth paying for on TV, it's HBO. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, morally, exactly. for people, depending on where you stand morally with what you're viewing as far as content and stuff goes, there is, I mean, you, you definitely have to be careful with that because yeah. they aren't shy for, you know, language and, and depicting Dude, things and as yeah. as life yeah. really happens. But um. But at the same time, like you said, that's that's life as it happens. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. It they they try to uh try to have an authenticity there that yeah um that's really great so yeah uh, a tv show about mobsters in new york is not going to be minus <laughs> sex and sex and violence yeah <laughs> those are highly upstanding citizens and i will not have you be smirched their reputation he he owns a trash <laughs> collecting company he's not doing anything wrong <laughs> or Tony yeah. soprano um, this, this week, uh, the last witch hunter with Vin Diesel comes out. Me and my roommate are going to go see that Tuesday. So I'm pretty, pretty excited for that. I like, I, I like some know. Vin I Diesel. I saw the, uh, the trailer for that when Dave and I went to, uh, Chicago Comic-Con and maybe it was just the trailer, but it looked like it was a hot mess. It does every <laughs> word involved in that Vin Diesel, witch hunter, 
the last it's all of it sounds like a train wreck just waiting <laughs> yeah. to happen. And it and it could be. It could it be. It sounds like another version of uh what was another you know, it's the Hansel and Gretel or um Oh man, I couldn't even finish watching no. that. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was or awful. there was another Witch Hunter one, wasn't there? There was a different Witch Hunter movie. What with uh, uh um, Nick yeah, Cage. With, with Nick Cage. Yeah, it was. I can't remember the it last. It was unwatchable. I, it was... We can't. We can't hunt witches anymore. If this one fails, no oh, one can I hunt think, witches. I think I know which one you're talking about. And yes, I actually did watch it on Netflix. I think. Or yeah, it is on Netflix. With bear suit. With what? The bear suit. There's uh, some Nick Cage the one that was movie set in like the. Yeah, he's like, like in, in medieval times. Wasn't it? Yeah. Is that called The Last Sorceress? Was that his? No. Or no, or is that a different Sorcerer's one? Apprentice. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yep, you're right. You're yeah. Right. No, I can't remember yeah, I what know. it was called, but you're right. It was it was pretty bad. And movie. then there's another one that's along those same lines, uh, Seventh Son, which was yeah, Seventh Son. Mm-hmm. another unwatchable Season of the Witch. Movie. Season, Season of the Witch, Witch. that's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> well, I'll let you guys know how it is. I mean, it's Vin Diesel. If he's not driving a car, it's unwatchable. And I'm <laughs> Actually, not even sure that the last seven of those have been unwatchable. So, um, The uh, Man Apart is a really old movie that, that Vin Diesel... Not really old, but yeah. that actually got me to actually uh, respect That's the one Vin where Diesel his family as was an killed actor. or something yep. like that, and he was a drug yeah. enforcement agent or something. That was good. Yeah, That was a pretty good and, one, yeah. Yep, and that got me to respect Vin Diesel. So I give him a chance now. Like if he's in something, I'll give him a chance because yeah. um, it could surprise me. But but you're right. As far as as it appears, it could be really bad. It just seems you know, like it's so far out of his wheelhouse. Like Triple X is his wheelhouse. <laughs> Fast and Furious Twenty Seven is his wheelhouse. Yeah, you know? You, you know, there's there's really only three words that I want to hear from him, and one of them is Groot. <laughs> Well, they're talking about him uh, maybe becoming. um, uh, Now I can't think of his name. The guy who, uh, if he opens his mouth, it can topple mountains in Marvel. Uh, One of the Inhumans. Mm. Uh, Black something. Yeah, Yeah, I should know that, but I can't think of it. Yeah, I can't think of his name right now because I've got other names in my head. Um, But anyway, uh, there's rumors that he's going to also go for that role too. That'll be interesting. Huh. Interesting. Indeed. Well, anyway, anyway, thank you guys for joining us. That has been the Agents of Game podcast. Uh, Remember to check out Facebook and the website. Um, Throw lots of money in our general direction. And we shall see you all later. Later. Good night. Yeah. It feels it like, like whenever so many, I uh, whenever I don't read the book and other people have, I always <laughs> like it more than they did. <laughs> right. Which speaking of, I went. I felt really dumb the other day. I went to uh, Crimson Peak, and I made the mistake of going with a way overeducated theater major. And she was like, "That was <laughs> so stupid. That was the worst movie ever." And she did say that. that was my wife. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I just felt so dumb because I was like, wow, I was really entertained that entire time, but now I feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> obviously, I should not have liked this. But, the, you know, I guess the big thing about that movie is it, it tried too hard for 
there was it, it tried to act like it was going to have twists, but there was you know the twists were so obvious from the beginning. It was you know yeah. from that respect, if you were going into it expecting you know the Pan's Labyrinth or whatever, uh, yeah, Pan's Labyrinth because he uh, Del Toro made that movie too. And that was a really cool, interesting movie. This was not. It was visually yeah. cool like that movie, but it was not nearly as, as interesting. Well, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I can be critical of some things. It depends what type of movie it's trying to be. Um, but, right. for example, I'll use Avatar as an example. Uh, not the last the Airbender action. movie, but the uh, um, James Cameron were Avatar. Yeah, yeah. So that was a movie the where people. the plot wasn't that fantastic. It's pretty basic. The acting was passable, but it did what it was supposed to do. Yeah, it was it, a, it, a visual it was a, tour de force or whatever. You know? It was supposed to draw you in, and the character development was good enough that I felt invested in the characters. I mean, it wasn't fantastic. It was good enough that I was invested in the characters. But there were certain parts of the movie, in, at least in the theater, where... I was like, yes, this is great. <laughs> I love this. And I'm not saying it's the best movie, but it did what it was supposed to do. And it, the things that it was supposed to do, it did well. Right. And I think it's okay that it's, you know, a live action Fern Gully. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, Fern Gully and maybe things that are better than Fern Gully. <laughs> oh, Shoot! Now, now that I said that, I'm not going to be able to think of the name of it. There was another really cool animated movie that came out within the last two, three years, maybe. That was really, really. It was Fern Gully without all the judgment. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be able to think of it. It's you know, it's this dad and his daughter, and the dad's like this crazy scientist, and um, he thinks he can see these tiny people in the forest behind his house. The daughter comes back to live with him. She'd been living with mom, but I think mom died. Oh! And she gets struck by accident. Yeah, I that one. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the movie right now either. Yeah, I can't think of the name of that movie. The, this would be a much better segment if we, if I could think of what the what that movie's called. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's really cool because they fight off like the you know the the bad weevil people or you know killing the forest and. The good green people just want to grow it. And, is it know. epic? Epic. Yes. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I just Google searched animated movie, Dad Sees Tiny People. And that's what came <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, too funny. Yeah, epic. Um, yeah, that was, it was a really, really good movie. I really enjoyed it. Again, if you liked Fern Gully, you would probably like that movie. Um, it looks like it's, I think it's from the same people that did like Ice Age in Rio. So, yeah, that makes sense that it would be fairly good. And, oh, and it's got, uh, the little, little Indian guy in it, Aziz Ansari, and he's hilarious. So, if you've seen Parks and Rec, he's yeah, that was a good in Parks and Rec. Yeah, I just started trying to watch that, uh, last week or so. Just started trying to watch Parks and Rec. Yes. Oh, you're in for an awesome, awesome experience. I, that's one of my favorite shows. It's hilarious. If I can keep up with it, yeah. It's just one of those things where, even though on paper I have so much free time, it's just, <laughs> I don't. So that's one you've got to give. You might even have to give it two seasons. The first season was funny and had potential. 
And then the second season started to build on that potential. But then season two, they drop one of the characters from the first se- first couple seasons. And that's when they bring in um, the guy from Party Down and uh, Rob Lowe. They bring in Rob Lowe and that skinny, skinny guy. Uh, sorry, I'm sitting with my computer. I'll look it up here so I don't sound like a complete idiot. Too uh, late. <laughs> Uh, Adam Scott is his name. Look him up. He's like I said, he was in Party Down, which is a Showtime show, which is also really funny. But those two show up in about season three, I think, and they, it really kicks off from there. They start to get it starts to get a lot funnier and a lot sillier. Uh, they start to they I think they figured out that Nick Offerman is hilarious, and then they also figure out they finally figure out that Chris Pratt is amazing. And so those two get a lot more screen time starting in season three, and it, it really goes goes up from there. Oh, speaking of Chris Pratt, I don't know if you listened to the second podcast that that we did, but uh, did you know they're remaking Magnificent Seven with him in it? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's got him, Denzel Washington, um, dude from White Collar, and a couple other A-list people. Huh. Uh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I'd be up for that. I don't know that I ever saw. The, the, I assume this has an original because you used the word remake. I don't know if I ever saw an original of this. Well, it's kind of a weird story, and we could probably start pretty soon um, if we want to. But uh, so the original movie isn't actually even the original movie. Um, the original movie of Magnificent Seven, uh, at least titled that, uh, had um, Yul Brenner. Uh, Oh, why can't I think of anybody's names? It was mega cast. Um, uh, Charles, was Charles Bronson in that one? Um, <clears throat> Magnificent Seven, nineteen sixty. Uh, yeah, it had the same Bill guy. Brenner, Eli, Steve Walsh, McQueen. Steve McQueen. Yeah, there you go. Charles Bronson. So yeah, every like badass dude. I mean, it was kind of one of those movies. Like you know, there were, there are a few movies like um, that had huge casts. Uh, a lot of the people who were in that were also in. Um, Dirty Dozen. Wild Bunch? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but anyways, a really good cast. It was really, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I highly mm. recommend it. Everybody should watch it. My wife hates it, but... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it looks like a total dude movie. I mean, like I said, there's like five different badasses right off the top of the list here. Yeah. And, there's a uh, picture of an actor in this that still was wearing a cowboy hat, so yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's the original American version, but uh, I'm sure everybody should have heard of... Um, uh, Akira Kurosawa. Yep. Um, he made the original. The original is The Seven Samurai. It's a black uh, and white movie. I think it's, I want to say, two and a half, three and a half hours. It's very long. Um, but anyone who claims to have an attention span, um, a very, very good movie. Um, <laughs> this is a movie for you if you can sit there for hours at a time. Well, you could always break it in into two parts, but uh, it's... They delve a lot more into the characters and what's behind a lot of stuff, and I thought it was fantastically well made. There are some parts that do drag a little bit, hmm. um, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. Oh, speaking of movies that have new names or change names or whatever, so at, we went to Crimson Peak, like I said last night. One of the previews completely caught me off guard. Creed. It's it's a new 
Rocky movie, but it's following Rocky, Rocky. Apollo Star. Yeah. yeah, it's following Apollo Creed's kid. I thought that was pretty cool. I was not expecting that at all. I, I don't pay a lot of attention or watch commercials for stuff like that, so I well, didn't know that was it, coming. Doesn't it star the kid who was in the terrible, terrible, terrible Fantastic Four movie? I don't even know. Is that even a movie? Do we even acknowledge that as an existent thing? Well, if you acknowledge it, it it adds credence to it. Michael B. Jordan, is that who you're talking about? Yes. Yes, Uh, Michael B. Jordan. He was was the human torch. So uh, here's my opinion on that. If, If that movie being so incredibly bad leads officially leads Fantastic Four and that whole segment of characters, including the Silver Surfer, back to Marvel's fold, then we acknowledge it. Oh yeah, that's true, because I mean, it, it was such a flaming disaster, it had to be handed back, huh? That's true. Well, it didn't, that's still rumored. It's still rumored. Yeah, we rumored. just need Spider-Man to just take a massive dive, and we'll be all set. But yeah, if it if Fox tries to hold on to it, which they still might do, if they still try to hold on to it, then we should probably ignore its existence. Yes, indeed. Now, I thought I read the other day that that was officially coming back. Maybe I didn't. Uh, Maybe it was well, just Dan somebody... posted something in Geekinit that I had seen earlier that day, but apparently it's rumored. Um, it's not official, official. Yeah, it was just a rumor. Awesome. It's a rumor that makes sense and may end up being true, but right now it's just uh, a rumor. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be nice if it was. All right, I am here. Oh, there okay, it looks like, like it a did million save. things to get going. I had to get my Back to the Future DVDs playing. I had to get something to eat. I had to get something to drink, you know. You have to be watching Back to the Future while we podcast. That's in that order. Motivation <laughs> while you're while you're here. Nice. No, because I had to spend the whole day working. <laughs> so instead of, you know, doing what I wanted to do while right. the Back to the Future trilogy, I have to watch it now. Yeah. Yeah. The one oh, problem with that is of, the movie don't... that goes to the future isn't really the best one of the series. Yeah, yeah. Go get a uh, – tomorrow the USA Today is supposed to have – they're doing the cover of the USA Today is is faked to look like the, the one from the movie tomorrow. Yeah, see so if you can find a place that still Ooh. sells newspapers. Yeah, yeah. They still sell them at my CVS. That's awesome. Yeah. They still have them at like the Walgreens and such. And at Penn State, you could just get them for free out of the. I think Nebraska, yeah. Nebraska yeah. can Nebraska too. Just get them free out of too. the thing. Yeah. We the thing you did. mean the trash can? <laughs> <laughs> There's just a little bit of food on it. <laughs> still good. It's still good. Yeah. It's just a little airborne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Homer. It's gone, Dad. 